This is how I win. This is no democracy. It is a dictatorship. Take your cake. Take your cake. Double hate. Load entirely. You're out of order. You're out of order. Everything that guy just says bullshit. Thank you. Life is cruel. I don't give a f- what the deal was. The deal is now changed. Either you stay or you go. It's up to you. End of discussion. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Your List Sucks Top 40 Animated. We're, we're more than halfway there now. Uh, we're in this top, top half of the list, top 20 uh, to uh, 11. The thing, this is where things are going to get interesting. So let's just go to the panel. Paul, uh, how, how are you feeling? You did worse this week than you did last week. Do you think you're going to do even worse this week, or do you think you're going to make a comeback? I got to be honest. I'm not. I'm not super invested in where where I rank. I think I just really want to talk about these movies. And my list this week is going to get fucking weird. So there's a good chance I'm either at the top or at the very bottom, based on how our host here reacts to my pick. Um, but I, this is going to be a bit of a wild week for me. A lot of a lot of movies that are uh, really going for it, and uh, I'm excited to talk about it. That's fair. Uh, Chance, I believe you have lost two weeks in a row. Are you going that streak alive? Possibly. Uh, knowing you, I probably will. <laughs> knowing your uh, kind of vendetta you have against people like me, but. <laughs> <Whoa>! <laughs> I meant I meant athletes, you, you sick bastard. <laughs> oh my god. Mark hi! How are you? You good? I don't know. Like you know, I got third place and second place. He may be on to something. <laughs> but uh I don't know. someone has a motorcycle or something right next to their house. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, either. I don't know. Just I don't know how it's gonna go. I I um, I got some weird picks this week. I'm kind of wondering how they're gonna land. So you know, let's just okay. go. And Zario, oh, to the other weeks where you didn't have weird. <laughs> Zario, you're the you're the winner of last week. Think you're gonna keep that up again? No, I already picked. That was it. That was the one shot I had, and I took everything else downhill. One shot, one opportunity. Oh boy. Okay, well, we will start with Paul. Uh, Paul, uh, you're 20 uh, through 18. And uh, uh, right now, everybody's going to get to comment afterwards on Paul's 20 through 18. Or not what? true, because my first two are definitely going to be yikes. Uh, what but, am I yeah, doing I, wrong? That is, no, the, uh, I think the format is fine. Uh, but anyway, anyway my, my number 20 uh, is Lilo and Stitch. So, Nazara, you can just go ahead and yikes that. Yikes. My number 19 is Wally. Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> and my number 18 is up. Uh, yikes. Oh, yikes. I guess you're done. That's good. All right. That's fine. And Chance, you're 23-18. All right. Um, my number 20 is Walls and Gromit, Curse of the Rabbit. My number uh, 19, I think, was the Yikes from another episode of the Peanuts movie. And, uh, yeah, I had that at 30. Yeah, and my 18 was definitely a Yikes before. I don't know if it's still a Yikes. It's Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse. Yikes. Okay, so uh, yeah, uh, 
Austin Gromit. Uh, this is my favorite Jamworks animated movie. Most because it's just for me. I think it has a lot of things that I really appeal to. Like I love British humor. I really love the Walls of Gromit shorts. I was curious to see how like they would hold up in a feature length format, and they, then they work really well. I think the dynamics still there. They introduce a lot of really crazy, uh, really fun cast members. Like, I really love Ray's finds of the villain. Held up on cars, a nice addition to it. As a really, like, really intriguing story. Uh, I think that Ardman, I, I really love Ardman's stuff. I think this is the best they've done because this feels like, it, this feels like a real passion project out of this production team. It feels like, you know, there's someone, like, this is where it kind of got their bones. This is where they kind of got most their most notoriety before they started doing, you know, you know, poor chicken run before they got picked up by a major studio, but you know this feel like when getting back to the roots and feel like them, like paying tribute to something that really put them on the map. So yeah, I really dig this movie. Um, my number nineteen is the Peanuts movie. Um, it's another for me. Like I grew up loving Charlie Brown. Like I love the old specials. I used to read the comic strips every time they came in the paper. Um, I also like what else I really love about this this uh, you know the concept of. The Peanuts World, the fact that Charlie, uh, Charles Schultz, he didn't shoot shit, coach shit for kids. Like, every, like, the moral of the story was you're a fuck up and all your friends hate you. That was the moral of all the stories. <laughs> um, but what I love about this is, well, a few things. One, I think that they keep, they keep what works about the, about the Peanuts franchise. Like, I love that, you know, there's, it's still, you know, kept on the kids, still a bunch of kid actors. Uh, I think the writing is still there. I also really, I love the animation used in um, this. Uh, of the animation used in it, it's not quite stop motion. It's a little uh, behind the frame. But I think that kind of amateuristic style adds a lot to it. Um, I think it had a lot of personality. I think it's a charming movie. I think it's really funny. I, I really love that they used all the archive recordings of uh, Charles Schultz as uh, Snoopy and Woodstock. Uh, one thing, one gripe I had about this film, it's not like a major thing. I think that it's a little too Charlie Brown focused. Like when we watch the old specials, you know, like Charlie Brown, Stupid How Bit, but then they cut to Linus and Lucy bit, or a Lucy Shredder bit, or Peppermint Patty and Marcy have a bit. So I do wish it was more of an ensemble, but as it stands right now, I really enjoy the Peanuts movie. And they, they actually had to go through a lot to get this made. Like there's a whole thing, Charles Schultz's world, where like it was like very tight lip with his, you know, tight with his IP. Uh, so they had to work this off of an old idea he had. And for their one and possibly only at bat, they had to make this movie. I thought they did a really good job. So, yeah, I, I really do adore the Peanuts movie. Did someone else have the Peanuts Mark, movie? Mark. Uh, Mark. Yeah. Mark. Uh, are you talking about it now? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, 38. Uh, yeah, I got to be honest. I, I've never been a Peanuts fan. I just, I've never watched it. I never saw the Great Pumpkin special. never saw any of the show. Like, just... It didn't appeal to me, but came out at a period where I was just seeing everything, and I was kind of blown away by the Peanuts movie. It, I think the thing that got me about it is it really sells you on the character of Charlie Brown. It really sells you on, like, not only like is this kid like just a lovable loser, but he is probably the most selfless person ever. Like, he just goes out of his way just to be good to everybody. And he always puts other people in front of himself, even when it comes to the detriment of, of things that he wants or things that he wants to achieve. And like, it makes him just really endearing and just somebody you want to root for. And then when the, that, and that moment at the end where, you know, he's, he's talking to the girl that he likes and just, it, it, it just really like, you know, if you're not fist pumping me, like in the theater watching that, I don't, I don't know who you are. That's fair. Uh, yeah, uh, Walsh and Gromit, 
I've said before, Ardman just doesn't work for me comedy-wise. I appreciate them. I think the artistry is absolutely fantastic. Just from a comedic level, I don't vibe with them like a lot of people do, which is weird because you'd think that Wallace and Gromit would really work for me in my case. I can't explain exactly why. It just doesn't. It never has. I was never a big Wallace and Gromit fan as a kid. I've given this movie a lot of chances, actually, to try to make something click. The one argument that works for me is the Pirates. Um, but, yeah, that's everything else. That's a good one. Yeah, Pirates, yeah. That's, that one's very fun. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, on Peanuts movie. Peanuts movie is a movie uh, that the trailers, I think, were awful. I think the marketing for this movie was terrible. It had all these, like really cringy pop song. Oh, yeah, like, didn't, didn't one feature yeah. T-Pain song. Yeah, you had, and you had All I Do Is Win in right. there. And, yeah, it was, wow. that it was so, they made it look like they just completely ruined the Peanuts, which is why I didn't see this movie in theaters. Uh, and I didn't see it until last Christmas. I was like, ah, that's kind of, Peanuts, that's kind of like a Christmassy related movie. And I watched it, and I absolutely loved it. Because uh, a lot of people had been saying, like, no, this movie's actually really great. And, yeah, this feels like the old, like, classic Peanuts specials, uh, but in a more grandiose scale. Uh, and, yeah, the animation, using CGI to look like 2D animation is so fascinating to me, and I think it really gives the film a really just memorable style. And I, I love these characters. So yeah, I, I really enjoy the Peanuts movie. Uh, Paul, Nazario, and Mark, if you want to chime in on Wallace and Vomit, you're welcome to do a, a little quick thing for that too. You got to go ahead, Mark, and start with the... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like it. I think it's fine. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought I was going to like it a little more, but that's uh, where it is. I liked yeah. it. Uh, I thought it was a good movie. Uh, I thought it's uh, when you take characters that are designed to be in short stories and you try to make them to feature length, some things will have to change, some things will have to feel a little stretched out. Uh, I like the gimmick with the with the rabbit, where rabbit, I guess. And uh, I, I like that it's still like cheese. It was funny, but I picked the better of the Artman movies for my list. Oh, you picked chicken, right? Chicken rabbit. And then, Nazar, you want to I talk about the uh, Peanuts movie, and then I'll talk about both. Peanuts? Uh, yeah, I liked it. It was, a, it was a good movie. The CGI animation probably was the best out of it, and, uh, and the way they actually tried uh, very hard to remain true to the original spirit of the Peanuts. I enjoyed that, too. But, like uh, Chance mentioned, it didn't feel 100% like a Peanuts movie because of they didn't do the... They didn't do the ensemble thing. It was more uh, Charlie Brown centric, and about and introducing you know the new character, the the girl next door thing, and they don't show her during the whole movie. And but I, I do think it's lovely how it wraps up when she explains why she picks him in the end. I think that's actually really really sweet. Uh, good movie, not great. I would have put other Charlie Brown movies in front of it if they've been theatrical. I don't even know if they were. There are quite a few. Yeah, there are a lot, actually. Yeah, listen, Bowman, I get why you don't like Where Rabbit. It doesn't have a 
tur- a mayor named Turkey Lurkey. I, I guess that would have really put the humor above <laughs> above for you. Um, no, I mean, I like Kristen the Rabbit just fine. I'm pretty into the shorts, actually, and I don't know what it is about the feature that I don't quite like as much. But it is a fun movie. Um, it's something I've been needing to go back to because it's been maybe like two or three years or something since I've seen it. But I, I mean, you know, Where Rabbit's pretty fun. And then Peanuts movie, honestly, was super close to making my list. It was my number 42. Bowman can probably I attest to that. Um, I had I saw it for the first time in preparation for this list, actually. And I really loved how earnest and thoughtful it was. And I think the two moments that are really special to me are the moment Azaria mentioned where it's like this coming to earth moment where Charlie Brown is like rewarded for all of his health and his selflessness and all the, the amount of times he goes out of the way for other people. And also at the talent show when Charlie helps his sister, when he could have easily just saved it for himself. I think that's like an incredibly heartfelt and impactful moment. The thing to me that makes it just miss out on the list is I think it's a bit too reliant on callbacks to past peanut stuff where it's just like recycled kind of jokes and specific bits that like, I can get, especially for like Mark, who, ha- who like hasn't really seen him. Like, of course, it totally makes sense why that would work. But for me, like, it did feel a bit like a retread of some of their classic bits. So. All right, uh, Mark, watch the wrong trousers. I forgot. Yeah, watch the wrong trousers. That's great. Okay, Mark, you're twenty through eighteen. All right, uh, my twenty was the uh, uh, yikes from earlier. Is a uh, Batman under the Red Hood. About that. Uh, then uh, my nineteen is a uh, Fox and a Hound. Okay, and then my eighteen, uh, pretty sure is gonna be still yikes is the Iron Giant. Yeah, yikes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Batman under the head, like, listen, I think something is gonna become evidently clear after these next two shows. Uh, I love the character of Batman. He, he's probably like my favorite character of like anything. Honestly, I get character of Batman has just been really influential in my life. I love the show. Uh, the first comic book I ever read was uh, Dark Knight Returns, Frank Miller, and the the Dark Knight by Christopher Nolan like legit like changed the way I looked about movies. So Batman just aces in my book, and the and uh, like all these like Warner Brothers like direct to video movies like honestly there's a lot of them are really good. Like, if you haven't checked them out, like there really aren't that many bad ones. And to be honest, there's probably more than just one that warrants making like the top 40. But for the purposes of the show, I forced myself to only pick one. And the one I went with was Under the Red Hood, mainly because like it, I think it skirts really well of being both like kind of a, like just a nice, like just kind of animated like kids movie. Like it's really fast paced and with the character of the Red Hood. They have like a lot of nice hand-to-hand like action scenes. Like it's really quick. It's really fast-paced. It's really fun. But it's also one that has a pretty dark, uh, like it's about some really dark source material. Like you're unfamiliar with the Red Hood. It's about Jason Todd, who's the uh, one Robin that was killed, and it's a lot about Batman dealing with his unresolved grief and a lot of guilt that he had, like putting like a young Robin in that situation, and quite frankly that like i love like just the balls of this movie it's willing to just go there and it even ends on just a gut punch like it like just one that you feel like it, it like you you want it to be a little bit more resolved but like the movie just it, it won't let it go yeah uh paul you also have this on your list yeah i love the 
the the way that this movie embraces the darkness of Batman inherently as a character, um, I think Jensen Ackles is like awesome in this as the Red Hood. And I've always loved actually Bruce Greenwood as Batman. Like he's great in Young Justice as Batman. I think he's got a really interesting kind of take on the character. But um, I think just in general, I think the brutality of this movie and the way that it sort of confronts a lot of Batman's inherent flaws that I think his other movies kind of um, pass over. Um, is what makes this movie really special to me. And I think the last like 20 minutes is like where the movie really kind of gets to another level. Um, and it, again, like it goes thematically to places that I think other Batman movies are kind of worried or scared to do. Uh, but yeah, honestly, so many of the, the, the directed D to VOD or DVD, um, like especially the Batman stuff is like really, really excellent. I think this is my favorite, but um, I think I, I also kind of wanted it to represent the, whole, the sort of whole franchise that, that, that DC does with these movies. I think there, a lot of them are really great, but this one, again, like, really embraces the kind of darkness of this story. It's great. Yeah. All right. Uh, Mark, uh, you're uh, 19. Oh, yeah. Fox and the Hound. Fox and the Hound. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, a lot of the, the Disney stuff that I have, it's, it's a lot of his stuff that I gravitated as a kid. Like, I saw this a ton as a kid. And, like, it, like the stuff that I have on here is, is uh, things that – more or less held up for me, like still as an adult. And, and honestly, watching this one today, I love how just to the point and efficient the movie is and how it's it, it just kind of like states things like just like kinda as it is. I, I mean, the movie starts off, you know, just really quick. And by doing Disney, like honestly, Disney's all favorite pastimes of killing moms. I mean, there's love killing moms, apparently. I don't know what their deal is there. They love killing dads, too. Not, they love killing parents. I, I mean, they got to dads, but I feel like they really wanted to kill moms. Like, that is what they really wanted. Like, like, there's a whole ride at Disneyland called Fuck Your Parents. <laughs> He's going to watch the. There's a, mara, a montage of parents getting killed. But, but yeah, I, I got to say, like, I love, like, the. Like, the a lot of I also love like the subtle confidence of this movie because I feel like there's a lot of instances where it doesn't rely on dialogue and it goes off of like just like uh, character reactions and like body language and just like like so, like a uh, silent soft scenes and just ones where like it's also willing to switch on a dime because like the one that sticks with me now as an adult watching it is at the very end where like Todd and Copper are finally against each other and we just see them like just look like animals and like they're gnarling at each other. And just, it is just very, it just feels very gritty and nasty. And like, I also love how, how it takes like what is a pretty broad subject matter of fear and the other and growing up on the other side of the tracks. And I think condensing it down for something that kids can understand. And I think that's something that I think it makes it hold up today. And also kind of a, Somewhat forgotten portion of a Disney history. Okay, uh, twenty uh, Batman Under the Red Hood. I was not looking forward to this at all, um, mainly because uh, in middle school, uh, my like main bully that I had, uh, this was like his favorite movie. And <laughs> the, the six degrees no of Boatman's high, like high school, middle school upbringing in the, on the show is pretty amazing. <laughs> Don't let them limit your cinematic. Now, I'm saying this was like his favorite movie, and I never watched it, but I was associated in my mind with him. 
But man, this movie's great. This is this is fantastic. This is like if you did a Batman story, but like Silence of the Lambs, like with Red Hood kind of being yeah. like your Buffalo Bill and Joker kind of being your Hannibal Lecter here, which I think is just really fascinating uh, of a dynamic. I love the way they use the Joker in this, of having him not be the central antagonist, but more of just this force this being which i just think is super interesting uh nightwing is one of my favorite comic characters i didn't read a lot of comics growing up but uh one of the ones i did was nightwing and nightwing. did you really keep taking them <laughs> yes uh, <laughs> but no nightwing uh, was uh just a, one of the characters i've been most fascinated by and yeah uh the, neil patrick harris is actually really good here uh, so yeah, uh, and then uh, Fox and the Hound. Fox and the Hound is a movie I've kind of liked and then disliked and then liked again, uh, and I've kind of settled on it being good. Not great, but good. I think 19 is a little high, but when you hear the best of friends, like that does get a little bit of a waterworks going. Uh, it's falling up. Yeah. Because they do, they do really make the friendship between Copper and Todd like really believable, and and real. You want them to be friends, like that, that. That's what it is. It's just about two people who want to just be friends, and the circumstances they can't be. And I think that's just really. It, it's a very simple movie, but I think in its simplicity, it is good. Uh, so yeah, uh, everyone else on uh, March twenty and nineteen. So uh, I didn't know we were counting non-theatrical release films, or else honestly, TV, Steven Universe movie might have had a good shot at making my list. Um, but uh, Batman, uh, Batman Thunderhead is actually really good. I like the movie a lot. Uh, it's been a while since I've actually watched it, but every time I watch it, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. I, I agree with everything you said. I think it's a really fascinating story. I always really liked the Death in the Family Red Hood storyline in the comics, and I think they did a great job adapting it. Um, and um, for Fox and the Hound, that's a weird Disney one for me, because like, I, know, I know I've definitely seen it like a couple times, but I have like almost no memory of Fox and the Hound. I remember like, a few scenes. I remember Kurt Russell saying some lines. I remember Fox, uh, Todd, Todd getting abandoned in the woods by his mom. Uh, and uh, yeah, the best of the best friends montage. That's about it. I, I haven't seen it in a while, so I don't know how I can't really comment on that. It's just why I don't actively remember. Uh, Paul? Yeah, so I mean, Fox and the Hound, first of all, Jeremy Adams ass movie. Um, but no, I mean, it's it's a, it's a solid movie. It's like pretty, it's pretty like dour, I think, for a Disney movie, which like, is kind of interesting. I mean, it's Kurt Russell, so it's got to be a great fucking movie. Um, but I mean, it's it's super solid. It's not everyone that I think will be a big favorite for me, um, especially, you know, Mickey Rooney being in it. Um, but, you know, it's, oh, it's, yeah. like, it's, 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 it's like super solid. It's like just not spectacular in any specific kind of way for me. I do like that montage, though. I wasn't privy to the fact that we could add movies that were not released in theaters to this list. Uh, if well, I wasn't really privy, I asked. We were I doing, asked. We, I wasn't privy that we were. Do, you didn't ask. You I, had it on your list. I'm just gonna protested. put the one and just take the heat for I'm it. Just that saying, is what I was gonna do. I'm just saying. I don't know if it would have made it. Probably would have been considered, like the Dark Knight Returns. 
parts one and two would be considered. That would be great too. Or if any of you would have had Impossible show the drama, you probably would have won the show regardless of what else you had on the list. Yeah. Anyway, hashtag not uh, like Impossible. Batman yeah. Under the Red Hood is a great movie. Ladies Let's take for the picture of you and the crowbar. Joe DiMaggio as the Joker is amazing, and I wouldn't think he would be because I, I know him mainly from Bender from Futurama. So it took me a couple of minutes to like accept it as the Joker, but he he just hit it out of the park. Watch this movie. Do not watch uh, Dead of, the Dead of the Family remake bullshit that they just released with the multiple ending thingies. They basically reused the films from this movie and added some bullshit. It's bad. Watch Batman the Red Hood. Uh, the Fox and the Hound, yeah. Uh, there's 59 animated Disney movies and I have this one at 31, so... Middle of the road. <laughs> Tim Burton even worked in this and it didn't help it. Yeah, that's it's true. Fun. I always forget about that. All right, Nazaru, you're 20 to 18. Tony Newberry, this one's for you. My number 20 is The Lion King. Yikes. Uh, yikes. Next week. Uh, my number 19 is Disney's The Sword in the Stone. Wow. And my number 18 is Pixar's Toy Story 2. Yikes. Uh, that is a yikes for next week. Next week yeah. Okay. Next Sword week? in the Stone, then. Yeah, next week. This is one of my favorite movies. This is in my Disney's top 10 of all time. I cannot explain you how much joy this movie brings to me. Like it's one of the first ones I ever watched as a child. Uh, my my aunt had like three or four Disney movies in be in Betamax before VHS Betamax in her house, and this is the one that she showed me first, and for some reason just connected with me. It is not uh, the more streamlined story. It's basically three short stories in one film, but. I, a difference from those 40 ones where they forced them to be cohesive that this ones at least have the same characters going and smaller different adventures that are not really connect and overall I, I just find it very very lovely like the, how the story tells you how merlin has to find this kid that he doesn't know what for he doesn't know what the future is he just knows it's going to be special and then when he finally embraces it he drops everything in his life he moves into the castle to live with this kid and teach him about life he gives him lessons by using magic, making him put it literally his shoes in other people's shoes or animals in this case, and le letting him become the best version of himself All by right. just being able to learn and grow. Every yeah. character is great. Archimedes as the as the smart as owl is great. Merlin with the, the the dad jokes is amazing. I love Sir Hector. I love Pelinor. It's great. I won't shut up. Fuck you. I have one movie. It's three no, movies. No, okay. You're, yeah, you had one movie. And you stretched it out to five. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, you're you're hurting your argument because does anybody anybody hear us? Subtle mandolin. I don't know. I I hear a I hear a subtle. That's textbook and I don't care because it's great. Because it's great. Third in the stone. You all can't appreciate this movie. What what is what is wrong with you all? Nazario and I are the only people in this community that are able to appreciate this community for some or appreciate this movie for some reason. Uh, Merlin is just one of the top tier Disney characters. I'm sorry, he is. Like, I think this is probably the best like version of Merlin in a movie. Uh, I also love Archimedes. Uh, shut up. Uh, I love Archimedes. Archimedes is. Like, very much just, like, 
curmudgeon who absolutely pretends like he just wants everyone to just go away. But like you see how he really does care about the wart, and I, I love it. Uh, the wart is a character I, of course, uh, love very much. Uh, I, I love all movies that kind of emphasize the the brains over brawn dynamic. I think that's a lot of fun. And I just really like the I like the chill atmosphere. You know, I think this movie is relaxed. It's a nice like Sunday afternoon watch. Uh, yeah. Uh, everyone else, uh, thoughts on Sorting the Stone? And remember, uh, I can change your grade depending on what you say. Listen, I just got to be true to myself. I mean, that Merlin take is one of the craziest things I've ever. I fucking love King Arthur and the King Arthur mythology. Like there are like what so the many. Die in Transformers last night. Uh, he's close. I mean, it's like neck and neck with this. I, I mean, Bowman had this in like Ed Merlin and his like top animated characters of all time or some shit. That was nuts. Unlogged it. Remember that? Um, I mean, this movie just is like very disjointed and it's just like stuff kind of happens here and it really just like changes directions in ways that I just, it's hard to follow, honestly. It's not like bad. It's like, again, this is very like this kind of meh Disney um, for me. Like it's, it's entertaining enough, but I like, this is like one of your favorites. Like that doesn't click in my head for some reason and i love like again like i love this mythology but this i mean it's all right but you know yeah this is one that i just never had like a super strong attachment to. i don't i don't i don't dislike the movie i just have like great attachment to like a lot of a lot of other disney animated movies um but yeah yeah i, I don't like have an issue with this it's just yeah that merlin take wow wow <laughs> Okay. Name me. None of you are naming Sam Neill in the miniseries. is fucking incredible. As Merlin. I said a movie. I said a movie. Uh, lots of. I mean, any Merlin. I told any you he loves Stanley Tucci in Transformers. Last time. None of you. I do. I actually. I actually do enjoy it. Yeah, that's wrong. Mark. I uh, I mean, listen. Like, I'm just gonna say, like the the. The Transformers ride room, I think, kind of had something with a drunk Merlin, okay? I think, you know, <laughs> none of you are bringing that up. Uh, also, uh, soft shout out to Kelly Meehan, because she always she also loves Sword in the Stone. That's true. You, That's true. I forgot you, about that. You, you, right. you three you right. are out on this weird island. I, I honestly don't understand. Like, I, I, I honestly just saw this movie, like, a week ago, and I I, I was super bored, man. I, I don't fucking <laughs> get it. I, I Like, people really like this movie. It, I I just don't understand. I feel like we just spend a lot of time trying to, like, just bring up Arthur as a character, and it and it to just be like a king, and then he's a king, and then the movie just kind of ends. Like it's it, it's just kind of odd to me. And I mean, you're mentioning Merlin, like, and I'm still kind of back and forth on whether or not Merlin is a good guy or not. Because he's just kind of like it. Fa it just seems like he wants Arthur to be king, you know, to get the clout to being like, oh, I, I helped the king. I helped this kid become king. Like I, like I'm not sold that he is a good character. And I, I don't know. Like you know, you know, Zarya mentioned the you know the Fox and Hound Thirty One. That's about probably where Sword in the Stone is. Maybe more like on the bad end. Like I, I don't get the love for this. Well, uh, you are all terrible people. Uh, so now Eric Idle and Strike to Third is better. You, you, you brought me here. Tell me that already now. <laughs> uh, now we're going to go to 7 through 14. Uh, Paul, or 17 to 14, excuse me. Paul, you're 17 through 14. Yeah, uh, my number 17, another movie from the structure. Number 17 is Millennium Actress. Um, this is from Satoshi Kon. 
Um, and it's basically a story about how this man is making a documentary, him and his camera assistant, and they go to interview this old Japanese actress. And in their interview with them, they go through this kind of spiritual dreamlike odyssey throughout her career in movies. So like they're transported into the movies that she's in. Um, it's a really cool, actually, like kind of ode to this classic Japanese actress named Setsuko Hara, who's like in Tokyo Story, if you guys are familiar with that movie at all. Um, but it's just this incredible love letter to cinema. And I think the way that different genres of movies can change people's lives and how as an actor, the roles you take kind of shapes your, your inner and personal life as well and how um, the journey that this woman goes on. And I just think like visually, this is like an absolute feast, all the different locales. Um, it's really like pushing kind of the boundaries of this medium in a way that I really love. That's kind of a theme for me this week. Um, but this is just a super, a super interesting movie that again, like is the ultimate love letter to movies and movie history and actors. Um, and it's this kind of lab labyrinthian journey into this woman's past to find out um, things about her future potentially um, and to uncover kind of truths about her life and other people's lives as well. And it's got this really cool kind of, um, like shifting style where it really mirrors the types of movies that she's in. Um, and yeah, it's, it's one that I know a lot of people haven't seen, but it's really terrific. I think um, I, I discovered for the first time this year and really kind of blew me away. So yeah, millennium actress. Sure. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think uh, Satoshi Kone is just a director who I appreciate more than I like. I've re I I like the ideas going on in the movies, but like Paprika and then another film, uh, I I just think that they are incredibly well made. It's they're ones I will probably never go back to, uh, but I, I again this film was really well done. It's really fascinating, but it's also a lot, and I don't know. I just didn't. The point. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying, I'm saying that's why it didn't work for me. I'm not saying yeah. that makes it bad. I just didn't quite work for me. Has anyone else here seen this? Nah. Nope. I remember, no. I remember talking about it once, but I never seen it. Okay. Paul, you're 16. Uh, not to a movie that definitely no one has seen. Uh, my number 16 is uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, the end of Evangelion. Um, so this is essentially, um, th there's an anime series called Neon Genesis Evangelion, which is this big kind of crazy artwork, um, masterwork by this man named Hideaki Anno. And this is essentially like a reimagining of the ending of the series in movie form. Um, and it is like one of those movies that is really like such an existential like exploration of sort of the human spirit. Um, and this movie is like absolutely insane. Um, again, like definitely don't just watch this movie on its own. Like it doesn't really make any sense, but um, this is, it, it's a movie like so much about how we as people um, oftentimes we'll shut ourselves off to the possibilities of life because we're scared of the pain it might bring us. Um, and the exploration of that pain, I think through the vision, through, through the medium animation, um, through this crazy world where there are these giant mechs and these creatures called angels. And these, there are children who are put in these giant mech suits to try and fight um, these extraterrestrial beings and how that sort of reveals so much about um, us as human beings. And again, this like sounds very high minded and it really just is like, it's an insane undertaking. And this is to me like one of the great, um, art franchises in the history of, of media. Like it just like is so, um, I think it's burrowing to so many fascinating ideas that I think other movies and shows are scared to even touch. Um, and it's creator is like just an incredibly talented and, and insane filmmaker um, who I think is just like had such an amazing career, but this is almost like, um, you know, one of his many opuses, I guess. But I think this movie is the ultimate, like we're imagining it, like what the form of animation can be and the topics it can cover. 
Um, and it's just like, it's just incredible. I mean, it's, it's one of like the, you know, if you know, if you know, like on Letterboxd, this is one of the like highest average rating things on the entire site. Um, and it's because I think it's like one of those things that really just blows you away. It's kind of just made me kind of sit back. And, um, after I finished watching, I kind of just sat there for like half an hour to an hour, just kind of trying to process it all. And it's like, you don't really understand it, but it's not really about fully understand. It's about kind of the way that it makes you feel and the things that it unearths. And again, I'm mostly talking this on because I know no one else has seen it. So it's, I, you know, I'm not really, you know, killing a lot of time anyway. Um, but if anybody like is willing to dive into like a pretty insane anime, like it's pretty short, it's like 26 episodes. And like this movie is like the ultimate capper on that. Um, but yeah, this, this is an incredible anime series and this is such a great way to wrap it up and to reimagine the ending. And it's like, again, it takes the ending of the show and changes it, it like reimagines it. Um, and it's just, yeah, really an astounding piece of artwork. I think that um, moved, really moved me a lot. Um, and I, you know, I'd, I'd love to, you know, if this even pushes one person to watch it, like I'll consider that a win. Uh, like I haven't seen the anime, uh, so I knew I was kind of going to be lost the movie. So I did not see this. Has anyone else seen this? Uh, no. Yeah. Okay, Paul. I you're saw it on the video store. I never rented it. Fair. Paul, I think you. I think you could get into it. Um, I actually yeah. seen the TV, the the series. I saw like five episodes, but I never like. It gets wild, to especially towards the end. But anyway. Um, my number 15 is the final film from this director, and that means all of their movies are in my top 40. Um, my number 15 is Perfect Blue, which is another Satoshi Kon movie. Um, but it's essentially about this woman who is trying to transition from being a pop star into being an actress. Um, and this is, like, to me, the scariest animated movie ever made. I think the imagery in this is particularly haunting. Um, there's a sequence, kind of a somewhat famous sequence, on a train where this woman starts to see a reflection on the train and it starts to move and she starts to question her own reality. Um, and this is a movie that's very much about fame um, and what it can do to people, both the people that are the stars, but also the fans and how they, they can, that can twist their own reality. Um, this is just, to me, an incredible masterwork. And again, in the form of animation, doing stuff that other animated movies just don't really do. Um, and it's just, again, it's broaching these ideas that I think a lot of movies like don't know how to tackle, but it tackles in such a profound and incredible way. Um, it has a really kind of like difficult to watch scene, like in the beginning of its last third. I think that's kind of tough for people to stomach, but it is the kind of movie I think that challenges what our conventions of animated movies are. And especially like in the 90s like this, like there weren't really, so this is almost like a pushback against um, the types of animated movies that were being made in America by Disney and even by someone like Don Bluth, like um, it is really pushing it into a different form. And I would highly encourage anybody who's interested in something. I mean, this is like a huge inspiration um, on Black Swan and Darren Aronofsky like bought the rights to this movie just so he could recreate some of the images and ideas that this movie is burrowing into. And it, it does have a similar kind of um, central ethic to dark to Black Swan if you like. So if you like that, I think this would be something for you to see. Um, Again, it's not a movie I, I know a lot of people have seen, but like it's, I saw it in the theater and it really, really just blew me away. It's just one of those movies that is just, again, it's, it's honestly just terrifying, uh, both in its ideas and also literally um, some of the images it conjures. Yeah, uh, I saw this on uh, Paul's recommendation last year because uh, despite what that says, uh, I was watching it for 1998 because it's a, yeah. it was a U.S. release in 1998. Um, this was Paul's pick for that, and uh, yeah, this movie uh, is probably my favorite of uh, Satoshi Kon's uh, that I've seen. Uh, well, I think he's I've seen all of them, haven't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Well, I've seen all of them now. Uh, good for me. Um, but this is my favorite of the, the ones I've seen. Uh, I think I do really like this kind of idea of like 
celebrity and like the idea of a celebrity. Oh yeah. Versus like the actual person. And I think that is just so fascinating. It has gotten, I think that is the thing that has aged even better, like from 1997. Cause that's just everywhere now. Like even with like, you know, Disney channel stars and like all these other things, people like people to be, what their idea of them is. And I think that's so fascinating. Uh, film, I felt, got a little off the rails in a few parts, but I, I want to give it a rewatch because I think this one could definitely uh, go up because this, this is definitely my favorite of the fair watch. Uh, has anyone else here seen Perfect Blue? Uh, I only heard about it in relation to Black Swan. I haven't seen it yet. No. I, I haven't either. So, sounds better than uh, the a- Evangelion story of Evangelion of the end of Evangelion. <laughs> okay, Paul, you're 14. Barely better, barely better. Uh, my number 14 um, is the only film from this director because he's only made one feature film. Um, number 14 is It's Such a Beautiful Day. Uh, this is a film from Don Hertzfeld, and if you see just the poster, you might be like, how is a movie about a sick figure, um, sort of one of the great animated films of all time? Um, but it's because of the way that Don Hertzfeld interprets this kind of story and the kind of the love and adoration and anxiety for people that he puts into this kind of film. Um, and it is a movie that's like so much about um, the way that our, we perceive our own realities, um, which I guess is kind of a theme, I guess, of, of me this week. Um, but it is, there's so many small details that I think hit so many true to life situations that we don't really even think about. And there are specific moments that really just hit home for me really hard. And I think emotionally puts me in this place of, deep reflectiveness um but it's also really funny at some points and it's really kind of dark and twisted at other points and it changes so much um on its journey i think um and it taps into sort of our our pain as people um in ways that i think like other films don't really explore um it, you know he, he's kind of got, became more famous for his early short films but i think this is like his magnum opus and this is another movie that just like um i watched for the first time and just really blew it away it blew me away i think there are certain scenes um when you see what's starting to happen in them, there's like one where a guy's walking around his own block that like, um, it really just hits you in your gut. Um, and this is one of those movies that really sticks in your brain, I think, and in your mind and in your soul in a way that other movies kind of can't. Um, it's a movie that like, it's hard for me to like watch it super often. It's not something I like want to pop in you know, like on a Wednesday night or something, um, but it changed, like I feel like it changed my life a little bit. Um, and I think I have to tip my cap to something like that. Um, and it's really special. It's really short too. It's like, like 90 minutes, but it feels like it's covering so much ground. Um, yeah, it's just such an incredible movie. It's such yeah. a beautiful day. Uh, I was vaguely familiar with Don Hartsfield because I watched the the short he won the Oscar for, uh, Rejected, which like is very much like late 2000s internet humor, but oh, in yeah. the 90s. Uh, and that short is really fun if you haven't seen that i i like my that anus is bleeding <laughs> my spoon is too big yeah uh but i am a banana uh but yeah uh this weirdly enough this the movie it's such a beautiful day while it is more serious it has a, a very similar central theme of kind of the, the deterioration of a, of a mental state in some some factors, which I think is super fascinating. Uh, and yeah, I think this this film was really well done. It had those kind of 
absurdist humor moments that slowly kind of morphed and and that's kind of what lets you let your guard down and it very much turns into like this kind of heart-wrenching but then beautiful thing after i think this is really great i i love movies and, and stories about kind of mental deterioration uh and like i this is like almost i almost feel like the father took a few notes from this not a lot but i i at least noticed a few little similarities. yeah overall i i real this one was and it's so much better animated than you would ever think a stick yeah figure kind of movie would be the way that it sort of like spotlights and like zooms in on certain things like it really Absolutely. uses filmmaking in a way that i think other animated movies like it's hard to do without this kind of like limited kind of arsenal but yeah yeah uh, so yeah, uh, that is, uh, yeah. Anyone has anyone else seen such a beautiful day? I actually have. Uh, I remember this is one I discovered like in the early days of Netflix. Like they didn't have very many movies, so I'm like, okay. So I just start watching random stuff. That's how I found Tucker and Devers, and you also found this. And yeah, honestly, this is one of the ones that made me like really like reevaluate the way I looked at animation in general. Like I really do. I agree with everything that was said. I think that it does say a lot about the mental condition, about like just the human condition in general. Um, it's not one that I've seen very I've only seen like once or twice. I haven't seen it in a while. My my chance of make, making my list instead of instead of Tower, but it, I just haven't seen it recently enough. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh I'm getting calls backstage but I don't know what to do. Uh, uh nope, I'm not supposed to say that. Okay. Uh Chance, you're seventeen. <laughs> okay. Uh, my number seventeen is Coraline. Uh, this, oh, really? Okay, never mind. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> uh, my 16 is the action earlier. It's Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Uh, that's still yikes. Okay, moving on. Uh, my number 15, one that will not, is not going to be any points in the eyes of the judge, because I'm pretty sure he's not a big fan of this one. Inside Out. Yeah, that's still yikes. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and, you two uh, are on the same wavelength today. My number... 14 is soul. Oh, wow. That's high. Yeah, no, I know. And uh, so, yeah, thank you. I can finally say something. <laughs> I, land, I land on the black movie. How did this happen? <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> uh, but no, so, uh, yeah, I know soul seems especially considering, like, I had mixed things like Wolf Walkers and, uh, you know, Mitchell vs. Machines just because I hadn't, the world series for me. What separates Soul from from that, for me at least, like, Soul gave me a feeling that I very rarely get when I watch any movie. Uh, I remember I watched it, and I was just, I was absolutely blown away by it. Um, Yeah, so uh, this is, I mean, probably not by now, it's about a guy who, um, he gets, he's a musical jazz teacher, he gets the biggest chance of his entire life to, like, further his career as a pianist, and then he, he dies. Uh, not wanting, of course, not wanting to accept his fate, he, uh, he decides to you know, try to escape, he's trying to get back to his body, and then from, from there, I don't want to give too, too much away, just in case you haven't seen it, I imagine you have, but just because I don't want to talk too much about it, um, but I think that, of all Pixar movies, this is one that's probably the most heavy, it has a lot of like really complex themes that would probably go over a lot of kids' heads, it feels like the most mature movie, I think that, I really love the dynamic between uh, Jamie Foxx and Tina Fey, I think the two of them work, work well, well together. They have a uh, great comedic, comedic timing. They have great dramatic chemistry. Uh, has a lot of there are a lot of scenes that carry a lot of dramatic weight. A surprising amount of dramatic weight. And I think 
Pete Docter is uh, a Pixar director who I think I think he's the most consistent. I don't think he's ever made a bad Pixar film. Uh, well, he's never made a bad film period because he's, he's, he's never made anything outside of Pixar. Um, yeah, I remember I was, like my, my fascination with the movie grew because I was actually at D23 when they unveiled like what this movie actually was. And like it, like instantly I was hooked. And yeah, it delivered. I absolutely adore this film. Uh, I think it I, I think it's like it's one of the most complex films, Pixar film, one of the most complex anime movies I've seen in quite a while, and uh, a plus burn on a certain sports team, which I'm not going to give away because it's it's too funny. I don't want to spoil it. Uh, yeah, I had to have that joke explained to me, uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, this, no, I thought this movie was great. First time I watched, it, I liked it. I had a few problems with the ending. Uh, second time rewatch, no longer had those problems. This is a film that could probably become like top five Pixar as I continuously watch it. Uh, I, I think that there is something, this movie is tapping into something really special that you don't see tapped into to kids' movies. I think Pete Doctor is just. Well, is it a kids' movie? Honest, honest question. Is it a kids' movie? You, I, you can, it's, it stresses the definition. I think kids can watch it. It's, it's, it's that question of semantics of are all family movies, kids movies, yada, yada, yada. I'm calling it that, uh, yada, yada, yada. Uh, it is a movie that kids can watch. There, there. Is that better? No, I, I, I'll, I'll get into this, but I, I, I have an actual point about that. But sorry. Fair. Fair. I think I think it's a movie kids can watch. Whether or not it's a kids movie, I think depends on what your definition of a kids movie is. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, the the characters are all great. I love twenty two. Twenty two is very fun comedic relief. Who I think could have been so annoying. Um, yeah, I I've been. I, I, I really like this one. I think there's a lot of fun uh, gags. Jackson's on the 20. Yeah, uh, cool. It's great. Uh, everyone else on Soul? Mark, do you want to go? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Uh, yeah, I like Soul a lot. Uh, like, um, as it made evidently clear, like so far in the Ike's episode, I also really like Pete Doctor. Uh, he's probably my favorite an- anime. Probably, he's definitely my favorite anime director working today. And, uh, yeah, like, whenever I heard the subject matter of this one, I was instantly interested. Um, I I think Soul probably just needs a couple more rewatches, to be completely honest with you. Because I, I honestly don't really have that many immediate problems with the movie. Like, because the ending, I, I, I had a problem with it, like, it, at first, but then I just kind of let it sit with me. And I kind of talked about it with my brother, and it, it one that just kind of landed I do really like a lot of the voice work. I think that really lands. The score is pretty great, too. Uh, uh, yeah, I just... It, it's one of those that just lands on the outside edge. It's it's like it's like one of those, like, still great, but sort of middle-of-the-road Pixar movie for me still. That's fair. Uh, okay, so... Oh, uh, wait, will... yes. So, yeah, I, I, oh. me and Azari both didn't talk about it. I Sorry. Um, I love this. Yeah. They will not but, be silenced, Cupcake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the part I would say is like, uh, it, many of the recent movies are really great, actually. I, I saw Wolf Walkers, so that actually jumps into the to the, the thing I was going to mention. That, that <laughs> and so, and the Mitchells versus the Machines are probably 
all top tier movies that can get there. The only one that hit me straight up was Mitchell versus the Machine, but I watched Soul several times now, and it, it feels like it's going to be one that is just going to keep moving up and up because that movie has very, very thick layers, and then you basically get it part by part. And yeah, it's it's a it's a beautiful movie. Yeah, I mean, I I like this. I think technically it's incredible. Like that scene where he's falling into the world, I think is like one of the most amazing sequences when you combine, combine the music with the way it looks. Um, I think this kind of signals Pixar's slight shift into not, like I don't think this movie really has stuff for kids to hold on to. I think this like movie is really trying to be like a drama. Um, and it's just because it's Pixar, we sort of, oh, it's a kid's movie. But I feel like it's not, like it's not um, aiming at them at all. Um, I think this movie is just a little too vague. I think it it mentions a lot of concepts and ideas, but it doesn't ever really get into anything specific enough to make those stick, um, which is kind of one of my things where I think I like a lot of Pixar movies, but the ones that I love, I think, have that specificity. And I think this one just ends up being not specific enough, and it faints at these ideas, like even the stuff with his past with that woman. Like I would have loved stuff like that to really be burred into and be nailed in on. And the Tina Fey of it all, um, Casting Tina Fey as that character is, uh, I think, a really bad choice. I don't think she's very good in the movie. I think many other people would have been much better in this kind of movie. Um, and it, again, like the score is like incredible, and the way that it looks is amazing. I just think um, it lacks like the real personality. Um, but I think that would make this movie really, really special. And I think it really had the potential to be that special too. The short is pretty great. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Okay, um, Mark. I believe now we are at your seventeen fourteen. Alrighty, uh, 17 is Wreck-It Ralph. Okay, I kind of assume that. Yeah, um, it, it kind of, as uh, we talked about earlier, the Peans movie, I, I tend to gravitate towards uh, movies about lovable losers. Could have something about the way I view myself, but, you know, we can get into that another day. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, like, uh, it... It kind of did signal kind of where I think a lot of us started to get like back into Disney. I think a little bit because, like, I think for a lot of uh, people in this community, it was Tangled. I think for me, it was Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, like, first off, like the video game humor is something I just gravitated to immediately. It's it's all like just super fun, and like they get a, like a lot of nice jokes in it, or a lot of like cool little references in there, and it's just one that's just kind of fast and just really pops. And like the cast itself is pretty great. I mean, just John C. Riley really is just the voice of the lovable losers. I think every just lovable loser hears John C. Riley in their head. Like that's how they hear themselves talking. They just hear the John C. Riley. Like they, they just hear that. And I, I think for a lot of uh, other movies for me, like even six, even like mediocre movies. For instance, ones that just kind of make them stick is the heart, and Wreck It Ralph like has that in, in droves. Like there's a, a a number of particular moments that just really drive that home. With just Ralph, just like he just wants like more out of life. Like he just wants to be seen as something else. Like he doesn't just want like the same old thing. And more than that, he just wants to be loved. And like he finds that like in this weird little kid. And I find that just super endearing and like the ending like the last 20 minutes just always gets me like it, it honestly does choke me up quite a bit i i love wreck ralph it's great uh yeah uh wreck ralph uh funnily enough this uh, i was watching a little bit of this today not really for this uh my uh nephew and uh sister were over and uh my my one of my youngest nephews uh was like 
four was watching this. And I was like, this movie is better than I remembered it being. Uh, and it, it absolutely is. Um, I, I love the, the bad and on stuff. That is just so clever and so much fun. Uh, the ending is also just really, really cool. Uh, and I, yeah, I like kind of the shift that they do with uh, Penelope's character and kind of what you learn about King Candy. Penelope. Vanilla, not vanilla. Paul, I, if you had to know what I just had to deal with, you're not, you wouldn't give me crap. Um, I wasn't going to correct you, Caleb, just to make that. Did, 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 did your goalie come back? Respect for my Disney princess. Respect for my Disney princess. Anyway, uh, vanilla P. Uh, now I will. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> now I lost where I was going. Uh, very cool. Uh, Vanellope. 90% of the time, I have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> Not wrong. Not wrong. Um, I think King Candy is an under... That's what I was saying. King Candy is an underrated Disney villain. Uh, probably the most... Maybe the best Disney villain of, like, post-Mother Gothel, probably. Um, yeah, I, I think King Candy's awesome. Uh, overall, yeah, this movie rocks. King Candy. King Candy. Uh, everyone else on uh, Rock the Rock? Yeah, uh, this is actually my favorite anime movie of the year 2012 until I watched Paranorman again. I think I think this one's really great. If you love video games, there's a lot for you to digest there. Even though like like there's a weird diversion, a weird like diversion take where it becomes a Candyland the movie for like a, <laughs> for like an hour. I swear, this started as a Candyland script, but like, it's just like, yeah, no one's gonna notice. Um, but no, yeah, I do think it's great. I, I think that uh, Vanellope is like Sarah Silverman's a, a comedian who I just have like a tough time with. I think she's she has a really good, or I'm just really irritated by her. I think she's put to great effect here because it's kind of supposed to be irritating, but she gets better as one progresses. Uh, I think that yeah, I love the aesthetic of it. It would be a little lower on my Disney list, but it's definitely like top like twenty twenty five as far as that goes. Yeah, well, the thing about wreck, uh, Ralph is he's going to wreck it. No, I mean, this movie's great. I think I love that Ralph embraces um, his own role and his own strengths. I think that's the coolest part about the movie is that it becomes about the things that he thought of as flaws that become actually good, like good attributes and effective and help kind of win the day. Um, and Ralph accepting who he is as a person and not trying to, him and Vanellope, not trying to become something else, but trying to use the people they are to, to thrive and succeed. Um, I do think Philip Seymour Hoffman challenges John C. Wright for the self-loathing, lovable loser kind of thing, but I, I love them both dearly. Um, yeah, this is a great, great, super fun movie. Um, I, again, I, I, I love the video game stuff so much that I get, kind of get bummed when it becomes like a candy humor thing. I kind of like the first half is a lot is better than the second half because of that, I think, for me. But yeah, it's a great, great Disney movie. Um, honestly, yeah, one of my favorite, like probably would be in my top 15 Disney. So. I love this movie. I actually, I, I still don't understand how it lost to Brave, which I also enjoy, but this is... Pixar. So <laughs> Pixar's much. a machine, man. They Pixar. Don't, yeah, they don't lose. It's so much better, though, but... You know, so many things. Uh, are so the one thing the is the, the one thing that kind of diminishes for me, ironically enough, is the sequel. I really don't dig Wreck It Ralph 2, Ralph Breaks the Internet as much, and it somehow kind of tarnished a bit my memories of the first one. I need to rewatch it because I, I remember really liking the first one, but that second one and the ending is just like, ugh, I, I don't know, maybe they, they shouldn't stop doing sequels. I, I don't hate Ralph Breaks. I like Ralph Breaks. Yeah. <laughs> I don't hate it. Yeah, it's just good. It's just a bad ending. I, I kind of like that. Uh, yeah. Uh, Mark, you're 16. 
really disagree with that Ralph breaks an air in a take, but okay, we'll move on. Uh, got a got a couple of top forty, and we could talk about it. Probably could have. Uh, yeah, uh, probably got a couple of yikes here. Uh, Sixteen is your name. Uh, yeah, yikes for a later episode. Yeah, figured. And then fifteen, uh, I'm pretty sure it's still yikes is the Lion King. That is still yikes, yes. For okay. next week. I figured. All right, and uh, let's see. This is a yikes, uh, man. I'm really lucky another guy's not hosting this episode. Uh, fourteen, the Lego Batman movie. <laughs> you are very lucky. Cody. Oh, you lucked out, Cody. Well, Cody would never host. Cody would never host this show anyway. <laughs> this version of this. That is the wrong Lego movie, sir. But come on. Yeah, Ninjago. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, I mentioned I like Batman, right? I like. I fucking love Batman, man, and. Yeah, friggin', you know, whenever I heard they were making a Lego, a Lego version of Batman, I it was one that was like some like it felt like a little cash grabby a little bit, but I was like somewhat optimistic because I just really I did really like the Lego world. I do like the Lego movie a lot. Just when they just kind of missed out. I, I think the one I've kind of gone to more is this one, and really it's a lot because of the Batman angle, but it's more because like the thing that I really love about this movie is that it's clearly made by people who love Batman and not just like just like Batman they embrace every single iteration of Batman they embrace like the kooky side of them they embrace like the the super serious side of them like every single one like they they are not prejudiced about poking fun at any single one even to the point where they make a joke in the movie about naming a bunch of villains who are all real, by the way, those are all real Batman villains, which is, and they make a joke about it, which is, which is fucking awesome. Condiment man. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, but yeah, that, and more or less, like, it's also a movie that really cuts to the core of, of Batman as a character. They really understand that at it, at his center, like Batman, like Bruce Wayne is just a super lonely guy who. Like is soup who is so traumatized from his childhood that he is scared to death of making new relationships, and he's even more afraid of having the same thing happen to him again. And the movie embraces it embraces that really sad fact about him in a, a freaking in a freaking Lego movie and like a, a kids movie, and I, I I find that really ballsy. And not only that, they do it in such a way that is that still has such reverence for the character, and just and like such great knowledge of him. And it's one that like they, that really gets me every time I watch it. It's one. It's it's also the thing that surprises me. Even like at a time when Batman has just been done to death, like this movie still finds a way to I think etch an extra layer of him. Uh, for a second, Paul, I thought you just posted a link in the chat about like, like just an advertisement for like wall lights or something. No, uh, no, 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 no. It, yeah, it, no if you love this about- movie, read that article I dropped in the Twitch chat. It's a really great piece about this movie and about like what it can mean to you as a person. Yeah. So it's really, really uh, but the Lego Batman movie uh, is a, another movie I didn't see in theaters. Uh, but this one's just like obviously I all the things you said about like the Batman mythos and also just a lot of the more emotional elements i completely agree with this movie's also just super funny like this this movie is gets so many jokes i think my favorite is uh 
well, my name's Richard, but everyone at the orphanage calls me Dick. I'll kill you and be cruel. Honestly, like, I'm, I'm happy they got away with that in the kids' movie. Uh, that's a good, a good job, Lego Batman. Uh, is it a kids' movie? Isn't it a kids' movie? I don't know. Uh, but no. Uh, <laughs> I think that the Lego Batman movie uh, is really excellent. I think Arnett as Batman in the Lego movie is not one of my favorite things about the Lego movie. He really shines here. Uh, I also really like this Alfred. I think this is one of the... I think we've never had a bad Alfred. I think Alfred has always been pretty great. Um, and all the, the villains coming in uh, is really creative and a really uh, fun way to kind of make it still feel like, yes, this is a Lego movie, not just a Lego Batman movie. Uh, yeah, everyone else on Lego Batman. Uh, yeah, no, this is one that, uh, it's funny, uh, I had, I, I theaters one, I, I was, I was in college and I have a car, so I literally had to, like, walk the theaters to see everything, <laughs> so I literally, I did walk the theater to walk the suit this, and, yeah, no, I really enjoy it, I think it appeals, if you're a Batman fan, it appeals to you, I think people underwrite just how funny of a character Batman can be under the right circumstances, like, add, like, Adam West, or, uh, Diedrich Bader in Batman and Brave the Bold, or Lauren Etten, I think, I think that he's fantastic in this. I think Michael Sarah gets a lot of laughs. He's kind of breaking his type. He's usually like the you know the quiet, the quieter, uh, the quieter type of guy. But he gets a chance to like really like you know be a little more energetic in this. Um, I really love Michael Sarah playing an awkward, optimistic kid. Shocked. Well, he's he's a little more reserved in some of his other movies. Like you watch like Super Bad or you watch Rest of yeah. Development. He's not he's not as manic as he is in this movie. Is what I'm trying to get at. But uh, yeah, I think that I really loved it when I first saw it in theaters. Uh, it didn't. It lost a bit of luster on its uh, subsequent viewing, but I do think it's very funny. I think it's a really good movie. Um, but yeah, and like and like I said, I think that when I was talking about Phantoms, eventually I'll get into this. But I think that the anime movies do uh, they, they do much a kind of better job of getting the psyche of Batman than a lot of live action stuff because they don't focus on it as much. But yeah, I think I think that's a really great thing about this movie that I also really enjoy. So yeah, I think Batman's great. They're yeah, what my, my, my favorite joke is when they're singing the song and they're like, who'd ever skip Slag Day? Batman. Who always pay their ta- who pays their taxes? Not that Batman. Batman. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I mean, I, I've come around a little bit on this movie. I, I think at the time it was a little, it still is a little much for me. Like it's very joke dense in a way that I think like becomes a bit overwhelming. Like I think the pace of humor is a little bit too quick for me. Um, but I think it's clever. I mean, it, again, like it's clearly like got a love for Batman and the character that I think is really um, hard to deny. Um, and again, it, it does have these cool odes, and it's got these really random other villains that it just throws in from other properties that I think is just seeing them is just kind of hilarious. But um, I think it's a very charming and fun movie. Um, well, I don't think it'll ever really be like a total favorite for me, but it's like a totally like if it's like if it's on, like I won't I won't complain. Sorry. Uh, this movie does the the best thing this movie does is uh, go deep into what makes Batman Batman, and how he really is Batman and Bruce Wayne is actually the thing he has to to fake for people. I do enjoy that the fact that they uh, also reference like every other iteration of Batman lore, even cartoons, movies, comics, everything. Everything is thrown in a bowl. I do agree with uh, Paul that the movie is a little bit too fast. Uh, if you know what the references are, maybe you don't see it that way the first time, but like for somebody who's trying to get into like the movie just for fun, it, it, it definitely is. 
the one thing I it bothers me and and it bothered me since the day one I watched this movie. They put every single Batman villain in this movie and they did nothing with them. The, basically, it's like the Joker and Harley a little bit. Everybody else is in a blink and you miss it moment. Like they do the joke with all the weird ones. By the way, probably Polka Dot Man is not in the Suicide Squad if he doesn't show up here first. But uh, in the end, the, they just go to the Phantom Zone and bring all these random other Warner Brother monster properties that... I kind of hated that because I basically I wanted them to go deeper on the villain side. Like it is a lot of like point at this thing. Oh, this thing, but then it, yes. they don't really do anything. With exactly, it, which I get. Yeah. But other than that, it is funny. I, I do enjoy it very much. And my favorite joke is actually when everybody tries to go around the very obvious fact that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Like every time, it's like, well, uh, the Batcave is under the mansion. Oh, does that mean he's his like? Roommate? <laughs> and then fucking Godzilla is like, yeah, the roommate. <laughs> uh, okay, so now we're going to go to 13 for everyone. So, third, Paul. Wait, you no, no, no Nazario 17 or 14. Oh, we haven't gotten Nazario yet. We haven't gotten Nazario yet. You were right. Actually, 90% of the time, I have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. You have like a hot date or something? You keep wanting to skip everybody. <laughs> Nazario, especially, yeah. <laughs> True. I'm sad. Pixar's Coco. Okay, what has that? Uh, I actually didn't think I was going to love this movie when I first watched it. Uh, my kid did, though. And he made me watch it over and over and over and over again. This is my most loved movie in Letterboxd by far. However, I started to see the charm in it. I am Latino. I know the Latin culture. And what? Most no. Were... <laughs> I told you it was a colored panel. Uh, most people will assume we all believe the same things about Dia de los Muertos. Not really. Like uh, this is more of a Mexican tradition, so it's uh, it's very Mexican centric. And I wasn't really aware of all the small connections they do about the you know how they celebrate the day. And this movie actually showed it uh, in a very beautiful way. It did something similar to what the Corpse Bride did, which is show the dead side of the world in a way more bright and colorful way than the human side, which I think it's an interesting way to approach it, especially with movies that you're, are meant for kids. I love every performance in it. I love how they introduce even the, the lore of the Alebrijes into it and how some things can surprise you by revealing what they really are. The story of Miguel is just... It's just very lovely. They embrace the culture in, in in a way that I feel it's very honest. They're very significant. Most of the actors are uh, Latino actors, or at least have Latino descendants. Like uh, the one who does the the Mama Imelda voice. I think she's not really Mexican, but she has like like Latin roots. And overall, it's it's a movie that I honestly felt it, they dropped this movie as the second Pixar movie in the year, and they added like a thirty minute short of got them all off in it. I just figured it was going to be a dud, but it, it didn't deserve that. This movie, this movie deserves way much praise than they got. That, that Olaf short. Uh, nice. Honestly, I think that movie, there's a reason I like that movie more on rewatch and it's because I didn't have to sit through the, <laughs> the Olaf short. Oh, so you shot like old bit because they took it. They took that shit out. Oh, you know, they, they took it out quick. Yeah, I know. It wasn't fast enough. 
I think I did see that opening night. Mark's uh, like, I'll take out Olaf. I will say, though, when that movie got <laughs> close to the end, when that movie got close to the end, it did hit pretty hard because that was, like, the month my grandma had passed away. So, like, that was... I There are not a lot of movies where I've cried in the theater. Uh, that is one of them. Uh, but, yeah, this... This film's great. Uh, co- the music, I think, like doesn't necessarily make the movie because I think the movie could still work without the music. But it, it's the cherry on top of the Sunday. The music is all fantastic. Remember me, uh, obviously, is great. I stand by the the best song in this is Proud Corazon. I think that's the perfect thing to end the movie on, and I, I think it is just the best song in the movie. Uh, the animation also just looks beautiful. Uh, this. Is maybe, yeah. This might be like my my pick for like the best looking Pixar movie. Uh, I, I think this one just looks beautiful. Uh, I, I love everything in the in the Land of the Dead. Just just the colors all pop. Um, and I I really like the the characters of the family more on rewatch. Uh, I think the the family all have. Even though they don't get a lot of spotlight, I the, I'm talking about the family in the land of the dead. Uh, to clarify, and I, I think they they get some fun uh, comedic relief. Specifically, the twins are a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I, I think this movie is just a really kind of neat look into a culture I wasn't super familiar with. So yeah, I I love this film. Hi everyone else, I'm Coco. Okay, uh, so yeah, this is one that. Uh, I was really excited for it. I'm also Latino, and I was like genuinely Mexican. So like, uh, I grew up in a border town too. And if you thought niggas went crazy when Black Panther came out, they ain't got <laughs> shit on a bunch of happy ass Mexicans for this movie. <laughs> Every theater parking lot was a big old fiesta. But no, yeah, I was definitely excited for it. Uh, and yeah, I do agree with a lot. With a lot was said. I think that what draws back for me is I don't think Miguel is as interesting as other Pixar protagonists. I think he's good. Uh, there's something about his journey that I just don't fully connect with, but I do think that, yeah, The Land of the Dead, I think, looks looks excellent. Uh, the animation is great. The songs are fantastic. Uh, it does, yeah. I'm also really close to my grandma, so this did, like, the ending did hit me hard in a lot of ways. Nearly got me to cry. Um, so, but, yeah, uh, this is one that I think in terms of Pixar, it's, I think it's, like, upper echelon. It's just, like, lower upper echelon. So, but, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't hate the pick. I think it's definitely deserving of a top 40 spot. It's just not on my list. Yeah, for me, the part that's always hit me really hard is not, I mean, the grandma stuff is emotionally affecting, but is the idea that, like, once this guy's forgotten, like, his existence fades away and he, like, disappears. I think the stuff with, like, I think Hector is by far, I think, the best character in this. And I think, like, he's the character I would kind of wish the movie was more about, even though, like, obviously you understand it has to be kind of about Miguel. Um, I mean, it's it's great. I think this is the most, like, Leica-looking Pixar movie almost when it has like especially the stuff with the bones and the way that the body parts move sometimes in the land of the dead and how everything's kind of free flowing and um, kind of bobs in and out. I think like that visual style is really cool. And plus obviously like the gorgeous light kind of light show that they have in the land of the dead. Um, yeah. This is like relatively close to making my list. I'm not sure exactly. I, I guess like the ending feels a bit like, I guess it's, it's it sucks because this comes at a point where it's just like in Pixar movies, it has such the reputation of like, you're going to cry at the end. And this is like the most Pixar ass cry at the end Pixar movie almost in a way. Um, but it is like incredibly well made and like emotionally, like it, it earns, I think, 
um, almost all like it's emotional moments, I think. So, I mean, it's, it's a great movie. Just like, just didn't quite hit me in a personal way. There's a great uh, college humor sketch, I think, where uh, it's Pixar's next slate of films. And it's like all just movies designed to make children cry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's great. Uh, uh, but yeah, I'll talk about. It. Uh, yeah, hey, I'm always down for any any movie that's got jokes about you know Latino moms you know beating kids with their shoes. I mean that's <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, go get it. Yeah, it's fantastic. But you know, um, yeah, yeah, I really like this movie. It's like one that's like uh, it's like on the edge of like kind of like my Boring. favorite Pixar movies. Yeah. But, <laughs> thank you for finishing my second fall. But yeah, it, it's just one, you know, I I got a lot of Pixar representation. I got to make cuts. But, but yeah, man, that a crying scene, man, like I have one of my favorite movie going experiences in there, being sitting in the theater, you know, trying to, you know, keep my shit together. And then I look to my left, there's people wiping tears. Look to my right, people wiping tears. Sniffles in the back. Just it. It was uh, here's to the left of me, sniffles to the right, and here I'm stuck in the middle with you. Uh, Nazario, you're 16. I don't uh, care. One last thing on Coco just be careful not to get the book of life when you're looking for Coco. Pretty good movie, watch the, honestly. Watch the book of pretty life good. because I feel pretty bad. For yeah, just give both of them. Nazario, you're 16. My 16 is uh, uh Jax from earlier, the Iron Giant. That's still Jax now. Cole, uh, 15. Disney's Alice in Wonderland. Damn. Okay. Uh, speaking of movies that are not really meant for children. I didn't even know he liked it, to be honest. This is one of my favorite Disney movies of all time. Because it's so weird. And it's just so willing to go to, like, weird places. Lewis Carroll's story originally itself is it's very, very, very surreal. And Disney just decided to take like parts of uh, Alice in Wonderland and parts of Through the Looking Glass and make a mashup of things he liked. Uh, the movie is not really very sequential, but I think it's part of the charm because it's just like Alice goes from one thing to another and he just used that format to put the things he loved from it my favorite my favorite segment by far is the walrus and the carpenter and i i show that to my kid to this day it's like dude this is why you don't trust strangers look at this look, look what, what can happen and my kid's like yeah it sounds like yeah exactly um, see what happens <laughs> it might be you so, are an oyster listen to me you're an oyster <laughs> And everything, man. It's like the, the way they animate things to make them other things. Like the butterflies are, are toast with, you know, butter. And the, how the glasses are also like little birds. The singing flowers and the musical afternoon. I don't know. I remember this movie a lot in Spanish. So I might not know the, the names in English for this part. But yeah, I think it's just, it's very imaginative. And it's very open with the narrative. And it's a movie that you can pick up basically at any point and still enjoy what you're getting. Uh, I honestly think it's, it broke through like the the concepts of animation in the in the era, and it wasn't really appreciated when it came out. It should be watched more. Yeah, uh, 
I think this is absolutely the the perfect style to adapt this book in. Uh, it is it is absolutely uh, pan even though Nazari didn't know this, this would have been considered a pandering pick because. For those who don't know, uh, I in high school, probably my favorite production my theater team ever did. We did Alice in Wonderland, and I was the Mad Hatter. And I Anytime you start with, I was in high school, I get a little nervous now on this show. <laughs> I, Bull I am, bullies, ex-girlfriends, and positive experience. Which one? <laughs> I, am, I am now just uh, Chris Stuckman. I, I grew up with Yeah. <laughs> Where's the photo of you and a bunch of other people? From your neighborhood? No, never mind. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, that's the awesome. <laughs> show, I guess, isn't it? Um, is this Chris Duckman photo from his youth? No, I mean, I, I love this movie. It's wild. I mean, if you want to see it, really crazy. About this movie, but fair. Oh, no, you were about to say you're you're about to. I thought you were about to throw it to us. My bad. Go ahead. No, not quite. Uh, I barely talked about it. Um, but yeah, no, I think this film is excellent. I think the kind of like it is more of like a road trip movie, uh, which I think really works. I know it's a road trip through this like fantastical world. Uh, the stuff with the Mad Hatter and the March Hare is just super funny. Uh, the whole unbirthday tea party scene, just very, I think, very clever uh, comedic timing. It feels like something out of like more of a, a classic screwball comedy scene, just very wacky and very fun. Uh, but I think my favorite scene in this movie is the trial. The trial, you just see the backwards logic that Wonderland works on so well. And the way everybody is just working slightly off is, is just so funny to me. I, I love this world uh, and just the nonsensical styles of Wonderland. The colors, just so beautiful. Uh, everyone else, I have some Wonderland. I hate to make this comparison, but the trial does remind me of the Transformers, the movie trial, where they're in that weird-ass alien planet and they're in that stupid-ass court. Um, no, I mean, like I was going to say earlier, if you want to see a really wild adaptation of this story, there's a one directed by Bud Townsend from 1976 that is... Uh, very interesting and made like a hundred million dollars at the at the domestic box office and now has never been heard from again. Um, but is that the one they, we do Wilder? No, it's a very trust me. If you find it, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, but no, this is. I mean, this is one of my kind of favorite movies this this era of Disney too, um, because of how much it embraces the weirdness of its source material in a way that I find really fun and inventive. And again, it, like it is using animation as a form to really um, translate these ideas that I think would be hard to do in live action. Well, as we saw. Um, in 2010. Um, but yeah, just a really fun and, and, and creative movie that I um, I like a lot. Uh, it's not as good as Care Bears in Wonderland, but I'm kidding. Uh, no, this movie's, <laughs> this movie's really good. Uh, I had a feeling that Zara might have this on his list, so I decided to occupy my... I love weird nonsense, especially in animated form, but because I felt like Zara probably had this, I decided to let my weird nonsense spot be occupied by Yelson Rain. Uh, what if I just feel like it's the adult version of this movie. Um, but no, yeah, this movie's great. Uh, would make would make like a lower spot on my list. I was being like, you know, if I didn't want to shout as much more stuff. Mark, uh, yeah, I haven't I haven't seen it in a while, and uh, a lot of the super high end fancy stuff doesn't super appeal to me. So, fair, yeah. okay. Uh, I believe that's everyone on Alice in Wonderland. So, this are your fourteen. Now I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> I've seen it. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, Okay, my number 14 is uh, Don Bluth's The Secret of Nemo. Yeah. That was the extra movie, I think, right? That was mine, yeah. Uh, Don Bluth was a very interesting animator. I He left Disney because, you know, basically they didn't agree on the direction his movie should take. And 
honestly, this was the first one he made outside of the Disney umbrella, and I honestly expected this to be like the setting stone of what he was going to build on going forward. Sadly, it wasn't. Sadly, it was the peak of what he would achieve, <laughs> in my opinion, and it was right out of the gate. Not saying his movies are generally bad, which they kind of are, at least half of them. He has good movies, but the, the, he never approached the, the brilliance he achieved in The Secret of Nim. This is an adaptation of a book uh, about uh, a family of mice that live in a farm and they need to move the house because they are the farmer is coming and is going to change all the landscape. And if they do not move, they can die. But at the same time, one of the, the sons of the, of the mother mice is sick and he cannot really move. So they have to move the whole house. And she goes to get help from Nicodemus. And this is just a very interesting idea. Like, what would happen if we actually tested brain, the way we do? Because we do test on, on rats. What happens if we test on rats, uh, things to improve the mental capacity, maybe in Alzheimer's studies and stuff, and we end up with actually smart rats. And they get so smart that they be, they make their own colony, their own city, and then they start, have to have moral arguments about, is it okay to still be stealing from man? We're smart enough to know better. We take their food, we take their electricity, we take all the benefits that we can from them, but aren't we being immoral by doing this? And at the same time, mixed with a little bit of mysticism uh, behind the how... The, the rats themselves can manage to uh, exist in this world. It, it's really a beautiful movie. Mrs. Uh, Miss Brizzy is the main mouse, and it's her, our point of view character. She doesn't even understand what happened to her husband, which is discussed in this movie. And it, it's actually a, a great little film. I wish everybody would watch and appreciate. Yeah, uh, I think that uh, this, this film... Can I talk about it? Oh, yeah. Sorry, I forgot you had it. Uh, no, yeah, I think that Don Bluth is someone who you kind of had. I kind of really want to bring up because he's one of the he's one of the pioneers of an, like animation. Like he was like a name, made a name for himself. I do think this is his best movie. Um, and yeah, I think what I love about this one is the fact that I guess how like layered, like the magical layer it is. Like it's about about you know like science. I mean, there's the obvious is like science versus nature, uh, but there's also you know, about, like ethical, ethical responsibility. You know, like what? What are your responsibilities to knowledge? That like, you know, knowledge is power, and once you have that power, what are your responsibilities once you have it? Uh, the element of the unknown, I think, is great. I think Mrs. Brisby is. I think she's honestly. People talk about like female protagonists. I feel like she is tragically underlooked in a lot of cases because she's real. She's really great, determined. She's like to be able to other kids. And she's really solid, really great protagonist. I, I love her a lot. I think a lot of side characters are great. You got Dom DeLuise, of course, and Dom Blue's something you're bringing in. I think Derek Jacoby is great as uh, Nicodemus. And I think that, I, 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 stylistically, I think it's fantastic. It will really hit the stage for like, a lot of Bruce later work. And yeah, I think I agree a lot with Zara said. I think that I, I love what it brings to where, you know, it's a straightforward journey, but there's so much. There's so much under the surface that if you're, you know, a young kid, you're not going to pick up. But as you grow and as you watch it again, you're going to see a lot more of those layers that you didn't, you didn't really get when you were a kid, and you only can get with maturity. So, yeah, I think this yeah, film uh, is, is great. Yeah, this was one of those movies that I did not grow up with watching. Like a lot of people, I I came up, I came on this uh, relatively later. Like I I don't think I think I saw this when I was like 18, 19. Uh, but this this movie is quite good. Uh, it I'm not like a Don Bluth 
super fan. I think he makes a lot of really good work, but I don't like love, love Don Bluth like some people. Uh, but he, he is an excellent filmmaker and an excellent uh, animation legend for a reason. Uh, and this is probably my favorite of his films. Uh, I think there is a whole lot going on. There's, there really is a lot to unpack in this film. And I, I think that at the end of the day, though, they don't, it's not one of those movies where I think if you don't unpack everything, you're, you're having a bad time. Because I think just even if you take away all that, as a night, as a simplistic family adventure, this still works. Uh, I think that's kind of the beauty of it. Uh, so yeah, this this is an excellent film. Uh, so yeah, everyone else, uh, Mark and Paul. It is, it is not my favorite animated movie with a cat named Dragon, I will say that. Um, but I, I do quite like this movie. Um, it does have a really cool imaginative kind of like idea of what a world of mice would be like. And it's like not exactly what you'd imagine. It's like way more detailed and like they have this crazy whole like court that they're kind of holding when they walk in and stuff. Um, and it's got a cool kind of mythology. I think a lot of those ideas that are kind of like in the background are really what make the movie kind of something you can really come back to and discover more. Um, as especially as you grow older, I think it becomes something different than you know when you first watch it. Um, it's never been a big favorite of mine. Um, I like it. It's super solid, but just for some reason, it's the characters. I guess never really connected in a way that made it like really stand out. For me. Uh, yeah, um, uh, yeah. I, I, I also too. I didn't. I didn't quite grow up with this one. I saw like four or five years ago. Uh, I liked it. Uh, from hearing you guys talk about it, I feel like I didn't see the same movie. Uh, maybe it's something I ought to revisit. Uh, but I thought it was fine. Uh, pr probably the best Don Bluth one. I had a connection to Land Before Time, but honestly, that that movie gets kind of brutal at times. So this one's probably the best. Okay. Uh, so we will go to Paul's thirteen. Yep. Uh, I probably have this too low. I hope this is not where this ends. My number thirteen is Spirited Away. It's my thirteen uh, too. No shit, it's my 13. Rosario, is that a yikes? Or what? I knew it was all coming up on this list. I didn't realize it was all. Wait, wait, does Rosario have it higher? I left it out. Oh, fuck. I, I, had, I did my filter with Miyazaki and I made my choice. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> so I guess, wait, it's all three of our 13s, though? It's all three yeah, of our 13s. So just go ahead, guys. Um, I mean, I think we probably, wow. I mean, it's, like, it's, it's probably too low, honestly, for all of us. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is like one of the towering achievements in the art form. Um, it's like the ultimate transportation of like the mind of a child and, and what that can mean. And the, like it's just some of the moments, I mean, the moment on the train, like where the score hits and it's just her sitting there. And it's like, this shouldn't be this profound thing, but it just like, you feel like you're getting hit by a fucking bus. Um, and every moment, there's something more imaginative and more interesting on screen happening. And the, the movie's changing into something different as it goes along, too. Um, and the thing I love about this movie, there's always something that feels a little elusive about it. You feel like there's not really – you don't fully have your hands around it in a way that I think is incredible. I mean, you know, the, so many technical elements are just so f fucking incredible. The score is just, like, so special. Um, seeing this in a theater was, like, a really – mind-blowing for a long time it was never one of my favorites but i think it's growing to become one um as time goes on just because i think it really endures and it um it only grows in your in your mind and in your heart i think as as time goes on and as you come back to it because there's always something to discover um the special moment for me though is well one of the special moments is when 
um, Haku gives her the rice balls, and all of a sudden, the, you first hear that specific note of the score start to swell, um, and it, you're just transported to such a different place. And um, I mean, this might be <laughs> this might be the best movie that's on any of our lists, honestly. Um, but it's just like an all-time well, great. But why, but why do we have it on all 13? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. I mean, you know, you have favorites and there's best and there's, you know, a lot of times those are different. But um, I think with time, it'll probably end up being higher. But I mean, Spirit of the Way is just a fucking incredible piece of movie making. It's just, yeah, it's very special. Yeah, this is one that I saw because I, I'm i more familiar with this than any other Miyazaki movie because Disney Channel ran this all the time. <laughs> I don't know why. They ran like other ones like maybe like once a year. This one, they ran like every other month. Um, but... Yeah, I, I agree with what Paul said. I think that, um, I think I think that what works about the main character. Um, I, I, don't know, I, don't, I always call her San. I know that's not like her actual Chihiro. Chihiro, yeah, yeah. I think what works about her is the fact that, like, she's a character who like he's terrified of everything. But in this world, like, it really works. She never comes across as, like out of place. Like, it really works because like she's seeing something like new and crazy, and like out of out of this world. That like yeah, and the audience like probably terrified. And yeah, I think that. It's probably the most, for me at least, the most visually creative Hayao Miyazaki movie. I think that every there's something interesting going on on screen in nearly every frame. Uh, I, yeah, and like Paul said, that scene on the train is one of my favorite scenes in animation. Period. Just like where there's, like, there's no dialogue, it's just the, the score, and you're just like literally like, taking in the entire the entire world, the entire situation. Like I've never seen anything quite like that in an animated movies. So yeah, this was easily my favorite Miyazaki film. Granted, not familiar with all of his work just yet, but of what I've seen, this is definitely the one I love the most. Mark? Uh, yeah, I just kind of want to know what, what Disney Channel you were watching. I remember seeing <laughs> Luck of the Irish all the time. Uh, yeah, it's like, great. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, this, yeah, this is a favorite Ghibli movie. It's e- it's easily the best Miyazaki film. Uh, I, I had only just watched this movie like a year ago. Uh, and I I fell in love with it almost immediately. Uh, it, I think I, I think Paul is right. It's probably a little bit too low. Like it, it could probably be a little bit higher. Like like as I get a little bit more familiar with it. But it's I I fell in love with the world. It's just super creative, and it just really pops. Like it's one that I that honestly kind of demands a sequel just just because of how rich it feels. And it just feels like we just barely scratched the surface. But it's so special because it's like this moment that is like bottled and it'll never be recreated kind of thing. I think that's what makes it really special. It is, but I feel like, you know, there can be like we can have like more instances of uh, like that world. I just think there's just there, there's just so much there. And yeah, like you guys kind of touched on earlier, the, the like the score is really great. It, it, like it, it looks fantastic. Like and kind of as I mentioned earlier, Miyazaki just... He had like like I said like previous episode he just has a way of telling a kind of what appears to be like a light kind of like fun kid story but like he injects like real stakes into it and there's always a sense of danger and like a sense of dread at every corner because I, I mean for I feel for Chihiro for every moment of this movie I like it, it all you honestly feel like each one could be her last because she She's just going through all these weird things, but it's all tied in just such a, and kind of like a, just a really sweet like childhood tale. Like it, it's, it, it's incredible. Like it, it really could move up more. Uh yeah. Uh, I'll put my cards on the table a little bit. This would have been my second favorite animated movie of all time. 
and you all probably would have gotten a little bit of craps for having this at 13, but Nazario being the good citizen that he is, uh, jumped in front of the bullet <laughs> by not anywhere on his top 40. Uh, so you just sit tight, Nazario. We'll get to you in a second, but I want to talk about how great this movie is first uh, before you die. Uh, but yeah, I think that uh, this film, it reminds me a lot of Alice in Wonderland in a lot of ways. It very much feels like Alice in Wonderland with a lot more intensity. Uh, and I think that's kind of what is so beautiful about this movie is it has this air of like intensity and danger while still feeling relaxed and a little plotless in some ways but still like having those central themes. I think it, it, it's really fascinating the way the story goes, but the animation is just breathtaking. The, the scene uh, where Chihiro and Haku are flying is just beautiful. Uh, there, there's a lot of just, uh, all these characters are just really unique and memorable designs. Even some the, of the, heads, the three heads are fucking yeah, amazing. <laughs> the heads, like, like just some of the background characters, they're just, it's amazing how much effort is put into this movie visually uh, and from a sound music level, just everywhere. I think this film is phenomenal. I don't, I agree. I don't know what Disney channel chance was watching. Uh, sounds like a better. I swear Disney they channel. ran it all the time. That's the only reason I would have seen this. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, uh, th this is my favorite Ghibli movie uh, that I've seen. So yeah. Uh, Nazario. Why are you a bad person? <laughs> I was filtering the Miyazaki movies that I was going to put into this. And this was top three. However, I knew for a fact that this would show up on Paul's list. Oh, so you pulled a Paul? That's what you did? You so don't I took it out, made space for something else. You don't, you don't get a pass for that. No, I don't say this name. Oh, I knew it was going to come up. So that means that I, that I don't know. No, this is the top 40 best anime. On a top 40, it's a little different. If you don't think this is in your top 40, I wanted, I wanted to make space movie, for Put it on your list. If you don't, don't. I, I don't wanted to make space watch, for it, Oh, well, I would have put it on my list, but I thought it would come up. No, no. You don't get to play that game. No. I, well, I don't do that. It hasn't been mentioned. Let Azar talk about the actual movie, though. I'll let you talk. <laughs> don't tell me what to do, Paul. Azaria, talk about the movie. I like I like Balancing minorities. Wow. <laughs> I like actually the, the every character that, that you mentioned, plus the ones you did mention. I think Yubawa is actually a very uh, amazing, so like, main dealing with the gigantic head and how she turns into a bird. Uh, the big baby. I also like uh, No Face, which is the creature that just goes very very in the background for like half the movie and then it just becomes the center of attention and my my favorite thing in the whole movie is the what is the message that it carries especially when they get like this creature that then nobody wants to deal with like it's disgusting and stinky and it is revealed that it's just contaminated by all the crap humans do to it you know because he, he was the spirit of a river it's it's beautiful it's and one moment I, I do want to mention too is at the end of the movie there's this moment where Shihiro and her parents are walking through the tunnel. Um, and in a lot of movies like this, I think especially in the American version of this movie, she's fully confident. She's realized this journey has changed her, but she still grabs a hold of her mother's hand and she still is unsure about things. And I think like that, the fact that this was a special moment, but it's not like it magically makes her an adult or anything. I think it's like the secret sauce that makes the movie incredible. 
Okay. Uh, well, Nazario didn't have this movie on <laughs> because he's a terrible person. Nope. So what? What? What great movie do you have as your? <laughs> My number thirteen is Wes Anderson's Fantastic Mr. Fox. Ah, that's a yikes! That's a yikes! There you go. Okay, so now we're going to twelves. All right. Well, Nazario is what the yikes me back, so it's fine. Um, my number twelve is Princess Mononoke. Yikes. Okay. So on to me, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number twelve is Toy Story Four. Okay. Cool. Just making, just making sure. Uh, so yeah, this is not not the first, not the last time you're gonna hear this uh, Princess on the list. Um, and yeah, I was one of those people who was just like, I'm like, okay, uh, you're doing this. Cool. We'll see. We'll see how this works. Again, look, kind of like with Pansy, like not, nothing but the margin sold me. It would took me like watching the first ten minutes at like a preview at Disneyland one day to like, actually okay, this could be something. And yeah, no, I think that this movie, I think it was great. Um, I think that what I like about this film is the fact that it is very Woody focused. And yeah, it's kind of it's the idea of you know, Andy moved on. He did he he did he did his thing. He, he moved on, he moved on from his childhood. What he ha- what he hasn't. It's up at that dilemma of like, you know, what do you do when like you devote your entire life to something and that something is just gone? Like how do you like how do you cope? How do you like adjust to this like thing where like you like you are not the most important person in the world anymore? Like it, I, th- I find that fascinating. I think the addition of Bo Pete back, which I think it is the, the reasoning behind her not being talked about is actually quite quite funny when you know the actual like story based reason that she's not in it. Um, but bringing her back, I think, is great. I think Andy Potts gets the opportunity to do something like really like fantastic with the character and like making her like her own person, like bringing like making a little more fleshed out than she was in the past. Um, the addition, I think, this is arguably the funniest Toy Story movie. I think that the addition of like Ducky and Bunny and Duke Kaboom, I think, are fantastic. Um, and yeah, I think that it hit me a lot harder than I thought I would, even the, the fact that I'm a fan of Pixar. I can still manage like to school, like get a lot of emotion, emotional response out of me. So, yeah, I know uh, maybe I'm in the minority on this one, but I really do love Toy Story Four. Yeah, uh, no one else had this, right? No. Okay, uh, Toy Story Four. I I do really like Toy Story Four. I had a really good time with this. I haven't revisited it since theaters. So I've heard some people say go do on rewatch. Um, but. 12 is high. I don't like agreeing with Barr. 12 is very high for this movie, I feel like. I think it is the third best Toy Story. So, like, it's still a good Toy Story movie. It's a great Toy Story movie. But at the same time, this feels very high. But I do, I I appreciate everything you said about Because that's really made me realize that Toy Story 3 kind of did Woody dirty a little bit. I think it did a lot of the characters dirty a little bit. Uh, they were in a dumpster. They were pretty dirty. Yeah, they were pretty dirty. Anyway, uh, I, I think that this movie really does complete Woody's arc, which is important. I don't like what they do to a lot of the other characters in this one. I think Buzz gets a little bit wasted with following the inner voice. I think the new char- the stuff with Woody is what's great about this movie. A lot of the other stuff doesn't necessarily work, but it's still a really good movie, I think. Uh, so, uh, yeah, everyone else on Toy Story 4. 
for me, I'm not super precious about like, oh, they did this character dirty. So like that stuff doesn't really matter, honestly, to me. So I like the stuff in the movie is like what I mostly care about. So this is actually my fa- my second favorite Toy Story movie. Um, I love there's a specific moment in it that really made it special to me. And it's like kind of a small moment, but it's when Woody is first in the antique shop and Bo Peep has tells him to look out or it might be near the end, actually, but, but to look out on the carnival fairground and he just sees the whole world kind of. Um, laid at his feet and the possibilities that, of what that's, his future that's like towards the middle. It is in the middle. Yeah, that's what I, yeah, I was, I just started to remember as I was talking about it. But um, that moment, like this idea that Woody has these possibilities and his life does not have to be confined to just this one relationship was really, really special to me. I love the moment at the end too, where they roll the, the ball out and the little girl who's on her own. I think that's such a perfect um, kind of encapsulation of what the toys can mean to a person and what they can mean to a new person and how that can change. Um, and I just love yeah, the, the way that they treat these characters. I love Bo Peep in this movie. I think she fucking rules and is like one of the, one of the best, uh, one of my favorite Pixar characters, actually. Um, but I mean, it's just a super fun movie that I think is a really cool. I mean, I thought there was no way this works because the way that three ends, I have some issues with three, but the way it ends at the very end is like a perfect kind of capper. But the way that this made it come around in a satisfying way, I thought was great. And the fact that there's not really a villain. Like, I think it's cool that it's not like this evil plan by this huge, great, you know, this maniacal conniving force that like look appears as their friend as there were two and two movies in a row um it's cool that it's just like someone who just wants exactly. to be, i guess yeah someone who just wants to be loved and cared for and i think like that's a cool inversion on that idea and i just really i like this movie a lot yeah i probably it probably should have been on my list it, it certainly was close i think i probably have it in the same place as both but we do not have the same top two so uh this is the thing like I think it works great as a code for the whole series. I think the ending of three would have worked fine if it was the last thing we got. Uh, but I don't regret we got four. It does have the worst Randy Newman song of the whole series, though. That 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 song. Yeah. We belong. It's good. I think it's good. But I but I do I do like the I do like it feels rough the first time you watch it how Bonnie just basically doesn't care for Woody anymore after she basically said like that's my cowboy at the end of the part three but that makes sense because kids when are that small they change priorities on toys real quick and it also makes sense that he she would gear toward other things that are more visually appealing to her mm-hmm. I do love the whole Bobby story yeah. with uh oh, yeah we didn't even mention Forky with Woody. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the Bobby Bobby story with Woody so much because they show you that scene that kind of breaks your heart at the beginning when she they, she gets donated and she leaves and she gives him an opportunity. She says like, hey, toys get lost all the time. And he chooses to stay with Andy. And maybe it was the right choice for him at that time, but when he had a second chance, he understood that Bonnie didn't need him as Andy did. And maybe it was time for him to choose himself. It's a beautiful moment. It's a beautiful movie. Just there's Two more. Oh, Benson, and also scary as shit. Those dolls are creepy. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mark, have you touched on Toy Story 4 yet? Uh, no. Uh, man. Yeah, when, when I first heard they were doing a fourth one, I was I was really pessimistic about it. I mean, um, yeah, because I, I, do, I do really like the, the series as a whole. And, um, like... I do want to say I do think this is a good movie. Like they they managed to do something that I thought was impossible, and they managed to go back to these characters and they made a good movie. the The only thing that the, the main thing that does kind of bug me about this one is that it, even though I feel like it does have a solid 
arc for Woody, it it doesn't feel like there's. I still didn't feel like there was a good reason to make this movie. Like it still feels kind of unessential, and it and that's and even kind of watching it again. Like I, I tried, I, I've given it a couple shots now, and it, I still kind of feel that way. And it to me, like even though it, like it, a lot of it kind of reminisces to. Um, to, to like that 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 Breaking Bad movie they made like on like oh, El Camino, hey, yeah El Camino, love El Camino, but yeah, but it's like completely unessential. Like it just yeah I like I do like it, but it's just one that it I I have a tough time with it, and, and a lot of the m- moments you guys mentioned are good. It's just it, it it's it's still one I have trouble with today. Okay, okay. Uh, so we will go to Mark's twelve. Okay, all right. Uh, See what this one gets. All right, my number twelve is the Great Mouse Detective. Oh God! Bar, don't fucking comment. I swear <laughs> to God. Okay, that's what I figured. All right. Uh, yeah, I have a different uh, mouse movie. Uh, so because um, I know like everybody talked about the whole secret nim. For me, like uh, I went back and forth on for the longest time was the best iteration of Sherlock Holmes, who still technically wasn't Sherlock Holmes. I mean, Freaking Basil, but like uh, yeah, like this is it, it goes into like a weird period, uh, like of Disney. What I talked about one that just where they weren't afraid to be kind of like like a real and like dark and gritty. Like it it shows like this like gr- like kind of gritty underground like uh, London and and there's a lot of imagery here that feels like it it's just made for like creeping kids out i mean because making the main villain's henchman a freaking bat was clearly a choice that was just made for horror reasons like i don't know why you would do that if you weren't just trying to scare the hell out of kids and like that that's really neat i really love uh uh radigan as a villain i i he just feels super sadistic and he's just always out for himself and especially in the end where they go super animalistic and he just feels he just feels super large in life and just really deadly and there's like he's also one like a lot of the best disney villains feel like they have a hairline trigger and he's just one where like you just have to mildly upset him and he's going to feed you to his fat cat i mean that like that that's just super creepy and i i I love this basil's character he feels kind of a lot of the best parts of Sherlock Holmes as a character, he, he feels he feels super smart. He's also one that's like super to the point. He's also really manic, but I, I think more than anything else, I, I just really love the the world that Disney created here. And they they're also they're not afraid to kind of like going kind of real and one that's kind of toes the line of being what I, even though like we kind of poked fun at this it was they toe the line of being an actual kids movie. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I love the character of Basil. Uh, I think Basil is, like, one of my favorite uh, Disney protagonists. I think just the the quickness and the kind of timing of the animation really helps that character uh, become memorable. I'm Radigan, just so much fun. World's Greatest Criminal Mind is, like, maybe the most underrated Disney villain song. Uh, that's so much fun. And yeah, no, this movie is just a really fun adventure film. Uh, this is an excellent pick. 
Uh, I'm glad that this movie, because from what I understand, like when it came out in theaters, this film did not do great, did okay. I'm glad now it feels like a lot more people are, are appreciating this again. Because, uh, yeah, I, I love this film. Uh, it, it's a film that took me a little bit to like, love it. I, first time I thought, I was like, yeah, this is fine. It's Sherlock Holmes, but a mouse. Uh, but the most recent rewatch, just the timing on some of the the animation is just really well done. And I love the Big Ben fight at the end. He's, I, I think the scope of that, I, I love the aesthetics of 2D animation mixed with 3D animation. And I think this was maybe Disney's first time doing that with the Big Ben scene. And I think that works. Um, yeah, excellent film. Uh, everyone else on Great Mouse Detective. I, I, I think it's a bit much to be like, this movie, dark, like, Radigan is so dark and evil and twit, like, I guess, kind of. I mean, his plan is also insane, making a robot version of the mouse of a queen to rule England, but it's like the mouse England. The mythology of this movie is like fucking crazy, first of all. Um, I think this is like a perfectly cool movie. Like, it's, um, I guess I just don't understand the, like, this is like a masterpiece, one of the great Disney movies of all time kind of thing. It's like super fun. Um, you know, I like I like a lot of the characters. I think that again, like the music is is fun, and Vincent Price is really great in this. Um, but yeah, it's just it's kind of slight to me, honestly. And especially in the middle, it gets kind of like lost. The the weird scene where they go to that bar is like very strange, um, and I don't really know what to make of that. But I think it's cool. And like in this period of Disney, like I do admire the kind of the ways that like the lengths they had to go to make this movie. And like if you read the behind the scenes stuff, it's really like kind of insane, like the process of making it. Um, but to me, it's just like it's it's a fun time. I I I can't fathom this as like you know one spot above spirited away and like one of the great animated films of all time that's kind of wild but you know lo love you mark but i i don't i don't see it. yeah no i agree this, this movie's really good i think that it was one that was kind of underrated in monday's pantheon for a while but i think it's come i think it's gotten its due it's, it's done really well since home release uh, i love music vincent price uh, it's definitely in my top 20 of disney animated movies but uh, had to had to cut it for this list, but you know, I, don't, I don't I don't hate the pick. I think it's probably the best movie from the '80s from Disney, but I don't know if that's saying much. <laughs> I do have it on my. Yeah, I think it's my oh wow, Love Little Mermaid! Wow, the decade that almost yeah. killed the studio. Yes, that probably is one of the best. <laughs> I I think it's like uh, 21, 22, something like that on my list. I really enjoy it. I think it's a very good movie, but I don't know, not. That much memorable. All right. Uh, so yeah, uh, th that's everyone on Great Mouse Detective, right? Yeah, yeah. Nazario's twelve. Well, we're at Nazario's twelve. Stay with Disney. Uh, this is Pinocchio. No, that was a yikes from earlier. I want to say right? that was mine. Yeah. This movie, it's feels very timeless for a movie that came out this early. I think this is the third one. After his Fantasia, second one or the third, I always confuse those two. No, Fantasia is after this, I think. Yeah, yeah. And this is like, so this is the second one that, the that they ever made uh, from 1940. I love the story of Pinocchio. I've always had. Uh, I think it's a it's a good fable uh, about how you can become a good kid just by following the the basic morals of life and how you have to go through the process of you know making mistakes so you can learn and you can grow. I also like that it is uh, very, very dark uh, for a Disney movie about trying to stay true to the source material. 
especially the scenes where he gets caught by Stromboli as a living puppet and he's just going to get into a cage for the rest of his life. And even though after he does that, he still gets easily uh, distracted or, or tempted by the promise of having fun. Uh, the whole thing in Pleasure Island is, is yeah, like I, I was a child when I watched that and I was like, yeah, nope, did not go away from your parents and you do not think you're having fun because you're going to turn into a freaking donkey and they're going to fucking make you work in a mine. Uh, it is, it's effective, it's scary. I love the, the characters. Honest John and Gideon are memorable. Uh, I really like Lampwick. Uh, as the sacrificial lamb for the for the narration of the story and obviously it's very memorable the way they did monstro at the end of the film the movie it's a little short but i think that also works in its favor because it doesn't feel like it overstates its welcome but the animation is so timeless so crisp that i watched this in the 80s and i couldn't tell you this movie was already 40 years old uh, to this day that that movie looks beautiful yeah, and I agree a lot. This movie is one that's gonna, oh yeah, like like a lot of the classic variables. This one's just it's it's never gonna really date. I mean, it'll look like older, but it's not gonna date. Like with the, the themes and you know the ideas are still gonna they're still gonna resonate with the young audience. And I think what it is because Pinocchio is very identifiable to kids. Like you like you do see like, as a young kid, you do see a lot of yourself in this character. Like you're someone like he's someone who gets manipulated a lot. Like he lies, cover his own ass. I think that you know a kid can see a lot of themselves in that. And yeah, I think it's like like the epitome of a classic uh, kid's journey. Uh, I think the scene with Lampwick uh, turning into a donkey is like low key terrifying. Um, just like I, I I will never forget like the scream, like the scream transitioning into a donkey into a donkey screech. Like it's just it's just a thing that like stuck with me in my head. And yeah, I think of, of the classic Disney films is up yeah. there. With, maybe one of the best. So yeah, I think this film is fantastic. I am not the biggest fan of this one, to be honest. Uh, I liked it as a kid. On rewatches, I think this movie is okay. It is perfectly fine. I you, I feel like you're all... I don't know what... Maybe it's... I don't know what it is that you all just... Did you, did you watch the better Panini Pinocchio? <laughs> no, one. I didn't. I did not. Maybe I need to. Go so on, I, that. Watch this movie. <laughs> I think this movie's fine. I think it just, it, it's a film that, like, obviously a lot of the early Disney movies go into detours. And it's my problem isn't that it goes into detours. It's just that I don't really care enough about the detours. Like, right, the, I feel like the I've got no strings on me. I just don't love that number. I don't really love a lot of the stuff. Basically, once the Pleasure Island stuff is really the only stuff I love about the movie. I think the stuff with Monstro is, you know, oh yeah, they're gonna make him sneeze, and we gotta the seahorses are all scared. I just there's nothing I really latch on to besides some of the the, the freaky, scary elements. Astromboli also freaked me out as a kid, uh, but like overall, like I think the movie is fine. I don't get why it's like considered like top tier Disney. I think having this at, at twelve is insane, especially over like, well, well, what else did you have? Like you, you had, you had a lot. Like Alice in Wonderland, and you had like a lot better movies. I'm that's the one I can think of off the top of my head. Like he's he's had better movies below this. Uh, everyone else, something okay. 
This is actually, I mean, I, I almost never do this, but I, this is one I did actually forget while making this part of the list. I think it might have been in contention for me. Um, I really like this a lot. I like the kind of scary, monstrous imagery. I think in general, when animated movies kind of play with like sort of like the way the human body can change, it's scary in a way that I think is interesting. That's kind of what like Spirited Away does interestingly is like when your body's changing and morphing, it's like this terrifying concept of like you can become a donkey or whatever. Like it's about growing up, right? It's the fear of becoming an adult and your voice changing and all that stuff. And this captures that really well. Um, I just love how imaginative this world is and um, how it can change kind of on a dime. Um, yeah, it's it's I probably my favorite like classic Disney animated movie of this era, and it's it's just yeah it's a ton of fun. It's again I like movies that are kind of like nightmare feely as you'll as you'll see with my next pick I think. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a wild one, but a fun. One. Uh, yeah, uh, to be honest, as a kid, I watched that live action Jonathan Taylor Thomas one way more, which is super creepy, way more creepy than his animated one, which I just. It's kind of turned me off and watching this movie in general, so I I have not got back to this one in quite a long time. So yeah, uh, the the lack of logic in uh, Alice in Wonderland. Uh, <laughs> don't see it. Don't think I didn't see that slander of Castle of Kegliosh in the comments, Joseph. Come on the show, you coward! You're never on your list. Sucks. Talking shit in the comments every episode. Uh, yeah. Uh, has everyone talked about Pinocchio? Yeah, yep. to my to my eleven, I guess. Yes. Uh, so my number eleven is the character with the most drip in any animated movie of all time. Yeah, it's a <laughs> um, Canada has a fucking the dopest outfit ever. I swear to God, um, this movie is fucking wild, and it is like to me, this is some of the best like purely visual animation you will ever see. When you see the scenes in the city where each panel on the windows of the cities are like specifically and like artfully rendered and animated, the way that the light on the light cycles like follows as they drive past the camera, that stuff is like fucking incredible and like blows my mind every time. Um, the score is amazing. I love the chanting that you can hear that the, the uh, you know the Tatsuo Kaneda. That stuff is incredible too. But I love how this gets so terrifying and monstrous in its third act, and it's like manifesting these ideas about. Japan sort of post-nuclear war anxieties and fears. Um, okay, I guess you've seen, I don't know, three movies. Um, but so the the, it, the way that it manifests those fears and anxieties into um, this giant climax where it is this world-altering event. But also it carries this level of wonderment and excitement about the future that I think is really interesting. It's like the scientist character you'll see, he he's scared, but he's also kind of curious and he really like wants to see what is going to happen next. And I think that sense of wonder mixed with fear is what makes this movie incredible. Um, there's obviously the, the core relationship between Kaneda and Tetsuo and how it goes back to their youth and their, them as kind of these outsiders, kids in these bike brigade. But again, like the animation is, is just incredible. And I think the world is really really fun and, and again like it, it goes to places visually and and in, in terms of theme and, and ideas and characters that like movies just don't go to um it has a bug nuts third act that i'm sure like boatman feels either one way or the other about um but it is a movie that i really love and it is like pushes the pushes the, the art form in a way that i think is so admirable um and yeah katsuro tomo's a masterpiece this is a movie i this is the movie i watched just before uh we did this and my immediate reaction was, I now I want to watch it all again so I can actually <laughs> process it. Because uh, this this movie has a lot going on. Oh, yeah. uh, and that's nothing against the movie whatsoever. I think this is a movie I will like more on subsequent subsequent rewatches, absolutely, because there there's a lot of interesting 
themes here and a lot of character dynamics. This is this truly is an epic movie, um, which you don't see a lot of animated epics. Uh, typically, there are some exceptions, but typically, I feel like animated movies don't like go all out in terms of like the multi-character giant type epics, and this really does feel like a sci-fi epic. And I, I think that's to the film's uh, improve or you know benefit because I think there's a lot of things going on here. I heard about this movie, uh, but I wasn't. I'll be honest, I wasn't really looking forward to it. It didn't seem like my type of movie. It's very like see more heavy sci-fi, uh, and the, I, I really uh, dug what was going on. Here. So yeah, Kira, excellent film. If you're like me and you're kind of hesitant to watch it. Don't be. This is actually really good. Everyone else on Akira. You know what's funny? I was going through Letterboxd today. I saw this code. I'm just like, fuck, that's probably on Paul's list. I should have watched it. And I did not watch it. <laughs> I wanted mean to get to forever. It's just one that I just never, I just have not done yet. But I will do it. I will watch the movie. And, but like you said, kind of the most drip of any animated character. He really, I mean, the jacket is fucking, and his, his light cycle is just the shit. Like, the, yeah. like, no, like nobody can rock an all red jumpsuit. <laughs> When I was about 13 years old, I had a friend who told me that he can get like animated movies from Japan. He, we were talking about the Street Fighter movie they had made, and I was like, I really want to watch that. And then he gave me this one. He said, like, watch this. This is going to be great. It's going to change your life. And my 13-year-old self just put that in the video, and just in the, like, the first couple of minutes, I was like, oh, my God, that is a boob in an animated movie. <laughs> That that's just that's just not right. I don't know what's happening. I mean, I was growing up on the Disney stuff from the eighties and the Don Blue, and they just come out and show me that. So yes, I finished the movie. For some reason, I actually have never rewatched it. I saw it that one time about shit, twenty seven years now. So I remember I I thought it was okay at the at the time. Probably didn't understand most of it, what it's trying to. But I don't know. It, it's never been something that I actually have gone to rewatch so uh yeah um is it no i think I he's mean, i think he was i think chris was talking about cat lupin maybe potentially castle oh, okay. or maybe this is a weird chronicle joke i don't know but anyway <laughs> no um i yeah i kind of i went maybe a little overboard on this one because it's actually a movie i blind bought a couple years ago and um i i watched it and i just like I agree with you visually. The visually the movie's really it's really neat to look at. And uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the scenes look really really cool, but it's just one that where I don't know may, maybe I'm a moron like it just I it felt very style over substance for me. Ooh, and it, no. it it kind of I kind of got shades of Blade Runner a little bit where it's a movie that uh, was kind of poking at a lot of stuff but it wasn't really uh it, it it wasn't really like landing like kind of for sure sh shots on things like uh, it's I mean I I've, I've been meaning to rewatch it but it's just I just got I don't really have a lot of desire to even though I own it wow. like I got the style it. is the substance uh, that is like my ultimate like the style is the substance in a lot of these movies that makes no sense wow that's the the harshest <laughs> thing anyone has ever said about a movie is that it has shades of Blade Runner. Wow, how dare you? <laughs> yeah, Blade Runner is a great movie. Uh, but yeah. Oh, is that everyone on Akira? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, chance, you're 11. 
Uh, so unless I'm mistaken, I think this is as far as some goes. The Iron Giant. Yeah, uh, yeah I have the Iron Giant. But I think we all like had higher. it. I think yeah, we, we all, all had it. Wait, wait, you had it yeah, higher? Had oh, it what do you mean higher? Yeah. No, like before this. Oh, okay. Okay, okay so this this is where it stops, right? Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Okay, so yeah, uh, this is about Brad Bird's directorial debut. Uh, by the fact that I really like The Incredibles and. Of course, Mission Impossible Go For A Call is excellent. I still think this is the best movie. Um, I, yeah, I mean, everyone by now, this is about a relationship between a boy and a giant robot uh, that you know has the ability to just you know murder murder things really good. Um, I'm, I'm really I'm a real sucker for like relationships where a lot of it is where like one half is unspoken. Like you discern so much chemistry and like so like such a bond between the two of them, even though. One of them is voiced by Vin Diesel, who an actor who, even when he's in an actual movie, can barely put a sentence together. Um, something I really do enjoy about this film is the fact that I love the mystery of the Iron Giant. Like they never make an attempt to explain what this thing is or where it came from. I think a lot of that is the fact that it deals with a lot of this movie plays a lot of, of uh, Cold War paranoia, which we can really comment on with hindsight. It came out in 1997, um, where that like with every, any strange machine, anything we didn't understand, automatically the idea was, oh, it's Russian. Yeah, so don't don't trust it. Uh, I think that's great. I think the I don't remember the actor's name, but the kid plays Hogarth is uh, fantastic. Feels so naturalistic. I think that's why because he's such an unknown. We don't really we can't really connect to anybody. I think uh, Jan Aniston's great as his as his. Uh... <laughs> that's true. I have to let all the all you mutes out there. You know where to find. Me. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think that Jan Aniston's great as mom. Christopher McDonald playing the character he would make a career off of playing the same animation. And uh, yeah, the ending in which, uh, I mean, the Iron Giant is just a character who I just, you just find so endearing. He just so like desperately wants to do good. The fact that he has that choice and the end where he chooses to be the good, he chooses to be the hero. Uh, uh, so many, so many tears used by so many other kids in the theaters in 1999. I said 97, I meant 99, but yeah, film is excellent. Uh, okay, yeah. Nazario, Nazario had it the next highest. I want to Did say. I had it at 16? Yeah. I, I yeah. Had it. Uh, this is just okay. a beautiful movie. Uh, Warner Brothers and Fox were, were all kind of trying to do what Disney was doing in the 90s. And I feel this is one of the first times that they decided, you know what? It's not really working. We cannot touch the formula they have. Let's try something different. Let's just do something that doesn't have music. Something that it goes to another, to appeals to another audience. This is the very, very sci-fi centered movie, uh, centered in the 50s when everybody was nervous because of the Sputnik satellite and what the Russians were doing. And it basically hit it out of the park. I, I think the, like Chance mentioned, the fact that they never tried to explain where the giant is or where it came from. It's a, it's kind of a, a very plus thing in the movie. It's by far been Diesel's best performance ever. And uh, yeah, like uh, the the way the the movie ends, it kind of has its cakes and needed to, because you know they they give you the moment, they give you the thing, and then they just tease you a bit, like hey, maybe maybe there's hope for this. And we'll see you in part two. <laughs> I, I love Hogarth. I love Hogarth as a character. I, I love uh, John Cusack in this movie. It's, it's actually pretty funny. But yeah, it's a. Uh, I think it kind of showed us that Brad Bird had different sensibilities when it came to like animation and it opened the door for him to do other things later. But to me, this is 
Is this still is John Cusack in this movie? Yeah, I don't think he's in it. Talking about Harry Connick Jr. Talking about Harry Connick Jr. Maybe. Oh shit! I was like, so I was like, wait a second. Like, did I miss it? Sorry, sorry. I just want to say. More of you need to watch Find Me Guilty because that is I, I thought Coho was going to come in here with the Find Me Guilty is the great video performance. I thought, I thought you were going to come with like a boiler room argument. <laughs> yes. No, no, no. Find Me Guilty is like top notch. Uh, okay, who had this next? Mark. Uh, I think, I a, I, I, yeah, I guess it was me. Uh, it was, I had 18. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, this movie is pretty fantastic. Um, uh, yeah, the Cold War like backdrop is just really interesting. Like as you say, we don't really know where the machine came from. Really plays into the theme of Cold War, which is really neat. And like I kind of like how they kind of play on the like boy and his dog. When really it's like a boy and his younger boy, because like he's like he's he's kind of teaching like this this giant robot like about life and kind of what it means to kind of cherish life and kind of make him like make it make this giant see himself as a kind of give him some humanity and less as a weapon and kind of what like people uh, more, like less of what he, people perceive him as and that that fucking ending man that, that the ending gets me every time like i mean that if vin diesel if, if all the only thing vin diesel said was superman at that last moment it that in itself is probably vin diesel's best performance uh i actually have a fun story so nazar you talked about how like this is like them, their studio going in a different direction. I don't know if you know the whole history of this whole thing, but what actually happened is they were they decided they were closing their animation studios, and so that's the only reason that Brad Bird could, and his team could do whatever the fuck they wanted. So like they were not under like the big studio constraints, so which is why they could make this movie the way it is, which is so not like a movie that appeals to like a big audience kind of thing, which is why it's so good probably. Um, yeah. I mean, the animation itself, the way that, I mean, I'm not an animation expert, but the way they draw um, the Iron Giant differently on kind of this thing called ones and twos, which is why he looks different in depth of field than the rest of the characters, like just gives him this look of like this otherness that I think is really fascinating. Um, and yeah, I mean, this movie has so much heart. It's it's so beautifully animated, just the way that even the parts move around on the robot. Um, and Hogarth is a great kind of plucky young hero. But yeah, I mean, the ending is perfect. It's just like so well constructed. It's just one of those movies that I think um, and it's not super loud. It's like a pretty quiet animated movie. It's like kind of like more low key in a way that I really love. So. Uh, I think one of my favorite aesthetics in a movie is the fifties represented by the nineties, like the fifties and forties represented by the nineties. Uh, like the Rocketeer uh, does that with the forties. There's just kind of this sheen to it that I, I just really love, uh, and that, that's one of the things I really. I believe we have lost, oh, we lost the host. <laughs> we lost the host. I believe we have lost the host, at least as of now. Is um, he going to come in here with some Pleasantville love or something? He was, I'm honestly very unsure. So I guess, does that mean we move on, at least for now? To, is this Mark's 11, maybe? And then we'll see when he comes back? I guess so. Yeah, sure. Or is he back? Oh, Coho's here. Oh, yeah. What's good, my guys? Uh, does everyone talk about this one? Yeah, yeah. that Bowman yeah. would have been last, so I think I guess we're on to Mark's eleven. Yeah, you know what? Bowman doesn't need to talk with the Iron Dragon. Fuck him. Uh, <laughs> we're up the fucking. Wow, uh, we're doing it live. Go. Yeah, fuck it, we're going live. Uh, I believe we're on to Mark. Uh, yeah, right? yeah. So, Mark's, so, Mark's eleven. Go, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have yeah. at it. Thanks, Coho. I, I think Coho just really wants me to move on to my number eleven. <laughs> Be completely honest, because my eleven is Rise of the Guardians. Oh, oh wow. really? Yeah, it is. 
Uh, yeah. Uh, fuck, man. I like uh when when I did when I did my deep dive on DreamWorks, this is the one that caught me the most by surprise. It like is it very like is again call back to like a previous episode. <laughs> call back to a previous episode, like kind of DreamWorks doing movies that you think you hate, and like this one very much. Like falls, I think still falls under that category. This is one that just feels super forgotten. Yeah, because like almost almost every aspect about this movie like really gets me. Because like, first off, like the cast, awesome. It's, it's basically perfect. Like even this movie f- even finds like a place for Ela Fisher. Like it, it's super awesome. And the, like the world building, <laughs> the world fired. Drive by Ella Fisher. <laughs> Sorry about that. My power straight up went out for a second. Uh, yeah, you're good. <laughs> We're talking on Mark's uh, eleven, yeah, which is Rise of the Guardians. Yeah, yeah. and and in all honesty, like the world building in this film is probably some of the best. It, it's honestly, I would say it's the best of any DreamWorks movie. And like before you even come in with like How to Train Your Dragon, that world has fucking dragons in it. It's already interesting. Like this world is basically a Justice League. With Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, and the Tooth Fairy, and that idea just sounds stupid on its head, and you kind of have to be sold it like immediately. And like this movie does, and like visually, like this, visually this movie is incredible. Like I, wh- I put this movie streaming on yesterday. Yeah, yesterday, it looks fucking incredible. It's one where they had Deacons do the visual consultant on, and it shows, like every. Every bit of it really pops off the screen. A lot of the character design like looks really interesting. And it's one that feels very bright and colorful. And it has one of the best hero arcs I think I've seen in a movie. I really like Jack's hero arc and just kind of how simple yet really uh, it, yeah really uh, like uh, sorry how earnest it feels. How really he's just a guy that just wants to make kids feel really comfortable kids want to feel comfortable and it's one that even though he's just a guy that just wants to be liked it doesn't he doesn't it it doesn't feel like one that feels like he's he's doing it for the wrong reasons it's just for the reason like he just doesn't want to be alone anymore he's just trying to find his purpose like and and honestly like it's of the movie like just because of it, it seems like a movie that just such a slam dunk but by like just like the great world and like the, the number of great characters it has. It's I would say it's probably the most underrated movie of anyone we brought up so far. Uh, yeah, uh, I did not see this in theaters uh, like a lot of people. I thought this movie looked kind of bad. I think the marketing was not great. Uh, but I finally, uh, upon. Cameron Holzman and Caleb Coho both insisting that this movie was actually good. I uh, watched this uh, December, I think, and yeah, this was great. Um, it, it's ultimately just a really fascinating way that they find a use for a lot of these things. Like, there's a whole, like you're saying, the world building is great because there's a lot of lore going on here that really works. This is like Alec Baldwin is a top tier Santa Claus. They make him like really fun in a different Santa Claus take. I'm saying in this. No, movie, no, I'm saying yeah. I guess so. Yeah, like he's, 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 he's no Tim Allen. I'll tell you 
in, I in some good ways. This is the best movie where uh, Jack Fo Frost fights to be a legitimate uh, mythological holiday figure. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Rise of Guardians is fantastic. Everyone else. I mean, this is a cool movie. I think like this is like the number 11 greatest animated movie of all time. And then like to me, coupled with the fact that it's like Akira is not about anything. And then this motherfucker's got Rise of the Guardians. <laughs> Boy, get the fuck out of here. No, I mean, this is a fun movie that like I really enjoy. And like I'm super down to watch like every you know couple years. But like it's just never one that's like, oh, this is like one of the great um, animated films of all time. Um, I guess like again, like I think in general, like I'm not like I don't I don't think of like these kind of fun revisitable ones as like all time favorites as much I think as other people do. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a super fun movie. Probably one of the more like rewatchable DreamWorks movies, certainly. Um, but yeah, not like a favorite. Yeah, I, I like this movie. I actually had to remind myself of Peter Ramsey, one of the guys who worked on Spider Verse, directed this. Uh, and you know, the project does kind of does kind of show with this particular style that we've been getting gotten used to now. Eleven's uh, a little pricey. <laughs> I, I think this has a little uh, wow. Uh, as much as I love uh, Hugh Jackman's The Easter Kangaroo. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, uh, fun. Awesome. But yeah, wouldn't even sniff this eye. Wrecking Ralph and Hotel Transylvania. Because that was kind of the same thing like you know, famous oh, characters. I wish I would have put Hotel Transylvania. Nazarian? It's fine. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I believe now we go to Nazario's 11. My number 11 is a yikes from earlier today, Coraline. No. This movie's just made for me. I mean, Henry Selleck directing a Neil Gaiman book uh, with a very, very gothic style. I think you may have noticed the fact that I really enjoy scary movies for kids. Uh, everything that we have mentioned previously is like, it kind of leads up to this. I think Coraline is kind of the perfect mix for it. It's a relatively simple story of a girl who moved into another another state because their parents needed to do it because of work. She doesn't want to be there. She's not having fun. And this is uh, this is actually per perceived by a witch that lives on the mirror side of the world, just the other side of the of reality. And she has been doing this for a long time, where she just realizes when kids are unhappy and tempts them to come to her side and willingly give themselves up to her so she can keep existing. It's creepy. Uh, it's a very scary thing to think about how white kids sometimes just disappear. And they just make it uh, in, in a very special way with mixing stop animation, which is something else I adore. This one is probably the last jumpy Stop animation movie, uh, and I say that not as a bad thing, but kind of like an endearing thing. Like the stop animation style, it it got really, really fluid around yeah. 2005 with Corpse Bride. After that, it's honestly it's sometimes really hard to tell when something is being just CGI or stop animations. This one still has that quirkiness of movement and, and finger waving and hair waving that it's actually very, very endearing, especially for a gothic story like this. Coraline basically goes to another world where she gets everything she wants until she realizes there's a price. And she what? I'm sorry, I didn't know you were done. No. <laughs> that kids talk to her and tell her what's what's what, and then she decides that she's not gonna just lay down and she's gonna fight uh, for what she she thinks she she's actually going to have. It's a it's a great story. It's a scary story. It's interesting as hell and imaginatively 
expensive. I, I really, really love it. Uh, Chance, you had this as well, right? I did, yeah. I had it at 17, I think. Yeah, 17. Um, so, yeah, I think that I'm a big fan of the game's work. I think a lot of his stuff lends itself better to the animated format. Like, you know, like, like this is the perfect case, Sam ends another. Um, and, yeah, I remember, like, when I first heard about this movie, and then, like, I was, I was like, yeah, I want to see this, like, immediately. Um, and, yeah, because, like, stop motion was a thing, like, especially, like, in the mid to 2000s, we hadn't really seen very often. I think the last, like, major stop motion anime before this was, like, Corpse Bread. It had been a while since we've seen, like, a, a one done like this. Now we had a studio, like, dedicated to that, founded by rap sensation Chili T. Fuck yeah, I'm down. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, I think that, I think Coraline is, I think she's a great main character. I think um, it's Dakota fan that is this voice, right? Not not Elle. Yeah. It's Dakota. Yeah, I think she has a great job. And I think what works about it is the fact that she does feel tangible. Like, she like she is kind of ratty. Like, she is kind of, she does feel like a, like a real, like, preteen girl in the situation. Uh, I think that it's, there's some of the, like, the darker moments just, like, Really, like, some of like the more quiet, fucked up moments, you know, like the five like YB show for one born. It's like, god damn, it's getting you got to get boy like that. Um, yeah, I think it, the where it really shines when he goes to the the other world, uh, to where like it's just like such like it feels such so magical. I feel like animations lends itself really well to like, gothic environments. I also like the little details it takes, like one the detail that I love that it's just like such a small thing. But I think that I think the attention is great. Is the fact that the mother's nose in the actual world is crooked, and then when she goes to the other world, like it's perfectly straight. I think that kind of thing I just I find fascinating. It's like, like wow, you guys took time to do that. Uh, I think that it's creatively animated. I think that it's well written. It can be downright horrifying at times. And Henry Selleck got really back to his, you know, what made what really put him on the map one night before Christmas. So, yeah, I think Coraline is excellent. Definitely my favorite liking movie, all the paranormal is a very, very close second. Yeah. Uh, I don't love this one. I watched it for the first time uh, in preparation to play Red Shaw. And I, I think it's fine. Um, I think the biggest problem with this movie is that the other world doesn't feel special. Because uh, I think they make the main world too weird. The real world feels too weird and too like they're they're trying to do the kind of quirky things with it like with the neighbors and i think that takes away the impact of the other world to where i it just kind of throws off the whole movie for me to be honest uh i i almost here's what i wish they would have done i wish they would have done it like a different henry Selleck movie where everything in the real world is like that Oh, and I was then, worried you're talking uh, about a different Henry. Oh my mom! No, But every have everything in the real world be live action, and then when you go to the other world, then that's when you go stop motion. I I would dig that. I think that would have more impact. I just think as it is, the other world doesn't have the impact. I will say I love the. Uh, scene where uh, Coraline is looking for the eyes. That sequence is all great. Uh, and shout out to my mom, because uh, when I was nine, I wanted to see this movie, and she said, no, Caleb. And honestly, knowing as much of a, how much of a wuss I was when I was nine, 
I would have had a bad time. So shout out to you're too wimpy for this. <laughs> I that's it gets freaky. Come on, give, give me a break. That's another. I was nine. I was nine. I'm not like this. He's loving it. Oh, you're God. really wimpy. You're a really wimpy kid. I get it. So it's fine. <laughs> Greg Heffley over here. <laughs> Great. I was like Greg Hempley. All right. Uh, I guess oh, Bowman's back. Never mind. I thought he was, I thought he was, I thought we lost him again. No, I mean, I will say I agree with a lot of what was said. Yes. Shout out to Bowman's mom. I definitely agree with that one. Um, no, I mean, I think this, this is my favorite Leica movie too. Um, I think it embraces the darkness of its source material in a way that I think is really fun. Um, I mean, I think if, if you like, I know you're saying you want this to be like live action. That's like, the, to, that's just a different movie. That's like, so not what this movie is doing, I think. Um, and I think this, the, I'm glad that Henry Selick again, Stop making stuff like Monkey Bone and came back to something like this. Thank God. Um, I think Keith David fucking is the best in this movie. I mean, Keith David's the best in almost any movie that he's in, but um, he is awesome in this. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, I think it's a, it's just a great movie. I, I haven't seen it in a few years, so it, like a lot of the specific memories aren't fresh, but the the feeling that it evoked, I think, in me um, was something that I really I really love. Uh, maybe if I rewatched it, it might have been on my list, but who knows? Uh, yeah, I'm here for all the Keith David love. Um, I. I have, uh, I do like this movie. It's it's also another like a movie I've only seen once, and I, I I liked it quite a bit. It's not one I revisited, so it's not one that's super fresh in the head. Even though, like, even though, like a lot of like the 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 um, the gothic imagery is not one I gravitate to, I, I still remember really liking it. I I did find a lot of fun and kind of the the outer world and like the button eyes. It all it all looked super creepy and. Like something that wasn't, like it, it's it's one that makes you feel on edge, even though you know, like this is one that's kind of gravitating to kids. But no, it's just this is one that uh, I just I I just haven't rewatched them. Okay, before my internet poops out, we're gonna head out of here. So grades, uh, last place this week uh, is Nazario with. Uh, Thanks, fucking Oh Christ. come on! Oh. Uh, this. <laughs> I, I will Ow. say B minus. B minus. This was a really good week. You all did a really good job. Uh, Coraline and Pinocchio being that high is really what hurt your list, Nazario. You had good picks beneath it, but Coraline and then not having Spirited Away. That was the other thing that really hurt you was you being the only person to not have Spirited Away. Uh, then in third place with a B, uh, Chance Ellison. Chance, you, you made it up the, the one point. Uh, really, you, you could have maybe uh, contended for that top spot if you didn't have uh, Walston, Gromit, or Coraline again. Uh, but you, you had some good picks in there. Uh, Soul. You is that, it's not my fault I don't appeal to Wimpy, to wimpy Kid Boaton. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's fair. Uh, maybe, that's yeah. uh, then, second place uh, with a B is Mark. Uh, Mark. Uh, consistently staying in the middle. Uh, he, he had some good picks here. Uh, just ones that were good that maybe were just a little bit too high, uh, like Rise of the Guardians. Uh, but overall, there's really nothing bad here. Uh, and then uh, number one this week with a B-plus is Paul. Paul, I think, just had pretty consistently excellent films here. There's Really, there's one three and a half star here for me, and then everything else is a four or higher. Uh, just excellent uh, picks here, uh, but every everyone did a really good job. 
so yeah. You have never uh, even seen Evangelion. <laughs> That's true. Uh, who knows how that would have changed his life. That, that I didn't dock Mark when I didn't see Transformers. Uh, before I go, everyone watching, uh, just a reminder, next week uh, the show has been taken over by Somalian pirates, so we'll see what happens there. A uh, week after that, uh, something else has happened. I don't know. There was a bomb on a bus. Uh, so we will be taking a hiatus on this show for two weeks. We will be back on the 8th of September. Uh, I told you about all about this. Uh, I must have forgotten. I thought we were coming back the first. I cannot do the 8th. Uh-oh, we'll talk about that later. Bye, everybody. Uh, have a good one. Thanks for watching. I know it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart. Gonna intimidate me. I'm entitled to my opinion. Now, what will it be? Death or exile? You're hopeless. You're a hopeless mental case. You better lawyer up, asshole. Because I'm not coming back for 30%. I'm coming back for everything. Normally, I would say Auf Wiedersehen. But since what Auf Wiedersehen actually means is till I see you again. And since I never wish to see you again, to you, sir, I say goodbye.